and welcome to episode 406 of the Awesome Comics Podcast, the place where the small press makes one hell of a big noise. My name is Vince Hunt, and joining me as always is the creator of the comic series Vanguard, it's Dan Butcher. Hello. And also joining me is a one-man fun-filled biscuit treat. It's Tony Esmond. <laughs> you showed me those biscuits. You're very proud of So Oh, look at these new biscuits. Look, they've got chocolate in them. And they look literally <laughs> like they've been made in a factory 45 years ago. And you go, no, they're all right. No, they're all right. Well, look, I just, look, look I got some Hello Panda uh, biscuits with Hello chocolate flavour filling. They got little, they're those sort of little biscuits, uh, listeners. Completely organic. Yeah. Coco, look this up. Hello yeah, Panda. Right. They're by a company called M-E-I-J-I. I'm not pronouncing it. Yeah. Oh, I think it stands yeah. the, We fuck the, the planet with our chemicals. I think they've that's got what a little pr- they got a little <laughs> printed picture of a panda on them, and they are delightful. <laughs> no, I didn't get an egg. I got these. I, oh, I, I tell you what, it's got some of your favourite flavourings in here, like <laughs> like flavour enhancers, raising agents, yoghurt powder, oh, and our personal favourite, yeast powder. Get on them. <laughs> I'd eat them. I'd eat them. Yeast infection. Very good. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. <laughs> oh, we're in a good mood. We're in a good mood yeah. this week. Yes, it's not just yeah. It's been good already. As we as we are recording this, it is Easter. So wherever you are in the world, we hope you had a lovely Easter and celebrated it however you you happen to do it. We've been eating uh, too much chocolate or yeah. biscuit treats. I haven't had that much chocolate, to be fair. Oh, you? Dan, your body's All a right. temple, isn't it? Your body's Not an me. absolute temple. Uh, what well, have you been I'd, eating? I'd, I'd, eat, I'd eat one egg. So oh. that's the one partial, egg. partial lie. Yeah. This muff. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> No, the thing about the Easter weekend is usually uh, you use it to do jobs, uh, other jobs you've been putting off. So I thought you did that every week. Uh, No, it's it's the jobs you put off from the other weekends that you do on the this three day, four day holiday weekend. What jobs do you put off? Oh, just you know, just the tedious shit. And listeners don't want to hear about tedious jobs. They want to hear about. Awesome comics for Shady Dan's keeping house. this on the straight man. Yeah, I love it. He's yeah. the straight man right now. <laughs> Whereas we're a couple of giggling that's how kids. The dynamic, that's how the dynamic works. <laughs> Since when? <laughs> oh, dear. But yes, welcome to the show, everyone. It's, it's going to be a fun oh, one. Oh, no, we've got a good guest on. He's going to hear that bit. <laughs> We have a fantastic guest this week. Yes, we do. We got a chance yeah. to talk to Uber artist extraordinaire Nick Patara about um, his new book, uh, Axe Wielder John, and uh, a new favourite book of ours. Genuinely, oh, mate, I fucking love yeah. it. I really, Genuinely, really like it. Yeah. yeah, we were fortunate. I have, this is just this is just to quickly tell you how, yeah. how much I love this book. I've read uh, two thousand one hundred books since October last year, right? Because I keep a note of all the comics I read, mm. and, and there's got some five kind of issue. Yeah, yes, and there's five of them that are going into my best ofs, and that's one of them. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Um, and trust me, if you're listening to this show, it will probably be right up your alley as well. It's it's mm-hmm. brilliant yeah. stuff on so many levels. So um, so we're not going to mess about. Too much. I say we're not going to mess about the first what? three Hang minutes on. was just nonsense. <laughs> but um, yes, so we're in, as you can tell, we're in a good mood because we're talking about great comics this week. And do you know where else you can get some absolutely fantastic, wonderful, and great comic comics? House, um, comic house. Oh, so many comics. It's 
They built a house for it. <laughs> yeah. Why have you said that before? I don't know. I, I just thought that. I just thought, fuck me, that's good. Uh, <laughs> Comic House. We've done 400 adverts. <laughs> <laughs> Comic House is our lovely sponsor. They are an indie comic marketplace with a difference because they truly love indie comics as much as mm. all of us. And when I say all of us, it's not just us, it's you, you at home as well. Because if you're listening to this kind of show, um, it's not for the quality of, of the hosts because that's terrible. Yes, it you, is. But you clearly love independent <laughs> comics and Comic House loves them as much as we do. Uh, on the Comic House website, there's a huge selection of titles on their database. If you self-publish your own work, you can list your book on there as well and you can. it's another avenue to get your work out to a larger audience. And also, if you have digital versions of your book, you can add it to the Comic House app. The app's brilliant. It's basically like Netflix for comics, subscription service, about £3 a month, and you get access to an enormous library of digital indie comics that's being added to all the time. Uh, Dan, what's on there at the moment? Uh, I haven't got this pulled up to look, Vince. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, man. So... I was just taking a drink. <laughs> you, you filibuster. You've been, you've been, okay, okay. Well, there, there's... I'm well, a professional one. <laughs> well, why, got, why did you lower uh, your voice when you said that? No, I was doing impression then. We've got Lurker, <laughs> Daughters of Albion, Issue 2, uh, Death and Renak and Romancer 1, The Final Lullaby, Volume 1 and 2. We've got Chrome Sky, Issue 1 and 2, which I'm going to be talking about later in uh, the oh, recommends. Okay. We've got Metal Bastard Adventures and Colin Undead. Oh, nice. Loads and of many new, more. Yes, many more ga- uh, guests, guests past, present, and future. Um, so. Find out about a fourteen-day free trial and yes. join Comic House and find out what we talk about every week. We've gone a little bit loopy because I, 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 yeah. think, I think you're right, Tony. Snook loopy. I need to look at these ingredients a bit more to see about the artificial. Yeah. The artificial the biscuits. <laughs> yeah, because they're doing something to me. Uh, be honestly, ants will have grown into human form and taken over the earth, and they'll still exist. Those biscuits. Oh my god! Do you think it's because of the hydrolyzed <laughs> soya bean protein? <laughs> they could be used as some kind of yeah, trading well, currency. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the door oh, open. Dan, I've only got one pack left. Oh no! <laughs> well, I worry about that. Here is the fantastic interview with Nick Patara. Okay, then, this week we are we very pleased to be joined by an artist who's worked with Marvel, DC, Boom, IDW, pretty much just name them. He's worked with them. Many of you will know him from the Manhattan Projects. And now he's the creative force behind the stunning tome of epic fantasy yeah. and violence known as Axe Wielder John, which is already a favourite of this show. Welcome to the show, Nick Patara. Hello, sir. Man, I uh, really love the intro. I appreciate that. And uh, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for putting me over like that and for having me on and uh, letting me pitch this thing to your audience. And oh, like, man, no we, worries, get sent, we, get, we get sent a lot of books. And when Jordan stuck this through, Jordan from Zoop, we were like, fucking hell, yes. look at this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely great. got to have you on, man. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Really good. Yeah, yeah very much so. Um, now, obviously, you, you're, you've obviously got one hell of a career already um and axe wielder john is very much the the awesome pod listeners if you haven't heard of this book put it on your wish lists because this is wherever you are in the world because this is very much up your street um but there are some who may not know what it is so before we get into the world of nick patara and the crowdfunding and everything else let's let's look at the book itself because that was what blew our minds out the back of our heads what is Axe Wilder John and where did it come from? Uh, well, Axe Wilder John's my uh, writer artist debut. Um, it's a story about this faceless barbarian um, 
who essentially is going on this rampage. And it's it's my love letter to Heavy Metal Magazine, Masters of the Universe, Mobius, uh, Jeff Darrow. And it's this kind of over-the-top, bombastic action comic. Uh, but the, the, the nucleus of it, the genesis of it was four years ago when I had my first daughter, she had gotten sick and she was in critical condition in the NICU, which is uh, the neonatal intensive care unit. She ended up having some stomach problems, came home with a colostomy bag, reconstructive surgeries and all that. We pretty much had to live at the Ronald McDonald house, which is like a charity house that is next to the hospital while your kids get better. And so during that time, me and my wife would work in shifts and stay with my daughter and then other ones go get sleep. Well, some nights I couldn't sleep. So I pulled up a sketchbook and I just started doodling when I would either be in there with my daughter or back at the Ronald McDonald house. And so I started drawing this character, Axwilder John, and uh, there was something really cool about him. I, I really felt that he was like a hero coming to me in my time of need. And I don't know if y'all have ever read Flex Mentallo. Uh, yeah, I love like, it. Mm, yeah. yeah. Morrison and Quietly. Yeah. So in that, if, so if, if the audience doesn't know, in that Wally Sage is drawing Flex as a kid. And then at the end, he comes back, like materializes in their world and says, you know, trade you a stamp like to be a man kind of thing you know at the end and i i kind of liked that i never thought that could be real but for me when axe Wilder showed up in my sketchbook i was like here's this guy showing up this is probably the first time i've had to really deal with real life personal stuff with being a new dad and my daughter's sick and i was like mm. i'm gonna take this very seriously and instead of just being like this is nothing and just a one-off sketch i'm gonna put everything I have into it and apply some meaning to this. And I was going to make him the hero and the, the guy that was going to carve a path for me for my future in comics. And I, I told myself that my, my daughter, we ended up having another uh, girl right after her, you know, 14 months apart. I believe it's called Irish twins. (laughs) So so then, you know, we get bogged down in new dad stuff. And then like two years ago, I said, I'm doing this and uh, got a script found editor Chris Stevens, who uh, was one of a couple Eisners, and he was working freelance at the time, and brought him on, and uh, we just started hammering out the script, and uh, started just, I I was working on the writing as hard as I had ever worked on the art, and I was just going to make the script as good as possible, and uh, so yeah, I ventured out on my own, and uh, one thing I wanted, two things I wanted from my career was an editor to invest in me, and to take interest in my career. Unfortunately, I never got that, but I guess if you pay someone, they will. So I paid Chris. <laughs> and, that worked out. and then um, the next thing was, I, I don't I don't want to answer to like a publisher. I, I didn't want to do that at all. I was going to make this like one go my way. And um, there's this bit in John, so much of John is like an alpha male extreme version of some of the trials I was going to as a new dad. And there's this bit in John where he is presented with this opportunity. And when he looks at it, he, in his head, he hears the gods telling him like, uh, all right, killer, you're this killer. You're this sinner. Now you get to do what you've always wanted to do. If you take on this burden, but you get to kill for a reason. And for me, when I was alone drawing John, it's like, all right, you're an artist. You think you're an artist or whatever you are. Um, it's like God telling me, then say something. You've got some problems now say something about being a new dad, say something about uh, being fearful for the first time and knowing what that is. And I was just taking John, the scaffolding of John and the aesthetics of all the stuff I love 
and putting some of my own trials as a new dad and uh, a new provider, essentially. And then also I wanted to honor like a lot of the guys that, you know, there's a forward in John about my dad splicing his fingers open as a kid and just using electrical tape to close yeah. the wound. Yeah, I like that and, forward, uh, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really nice. Yeah, that, you, de- you dedicated to him, don't you? Yeah, I dedicated to my dad. And I, I just feel like there's a lot of, like I really wanted to honor some of the, the what I consider good men in my life and, uh, and just uh, tell a really manly story, which is the only stories I love anyway, right? So yeah. it's kind of like, uh, so yeah, so that was it. And then uh, then Zoop had, re- people saw it online because I, I, I had this idea that you could never overshare enough with crowdfunding. You know, so many times I would get in trouble and Marvel would be like, you can't show that, you can't show this. Right. But with with crowdfunding, it's kind of invert. It's, it's inverted. It's like you. I wanted to show more because I wanted it not to feel like an, just an idea or vaporware. I wanted to show people that this thing exists. Like it's yeah. a brand, it's a property, mm-hmm. and it's almost complete or it is complete now. But I really wanted to sell that it was a material thing and it was going to happen no matter what. And so I was sharing it. Zoop saw it, and then. For me, I kind of just looked at the lay of the land, put my finger in the wind with how publishing was going. And I really liked the Wild West of crowdfunding. It just it just really is attractive to me. Like, come on here and get to yap and sell and talk about your projects and show off your work too early. It just it's really it's really conducive with how I like to overshare my personality and whatnot. Okay. And so, you know, basically that was it. And we went to Zoop and we hit Two hundred thousand with a campaign, and we just relaunched it for last minute orders. Uh, as we put our last order in at the uh, the printer, because we're going to. We're, we're not oh, going I get it. So that's how it works. So gotcha. Zoop was Zoop, Zoop something of a new deal back then, were they? Yeah, they were. They were really new. They were within a year. Um, and then I had Kickstarter reach out to me because they saw it too, and they offered me their like premium spot. But right. I already told I'd already told Zoop yes, and Zoop does a lot of things where you can't get yourself in trouble. They like, they hold the money <laughs> for the printer. Like they don't like, they, they, there's, they, <laughs> right. they hold the money they, they cover some of the expenses. So I can't like get the money. Right. Until we <laughs> get the thing out because God knows I'm not good with money. And so, uh, and they, they organize the printing, they organizing, they organize the fulfillment. They do all of the customer service. So you kind of got this team behind you with Zoop. And, and some of the promotion as well, I'm guessing. Is that right? Yeah, they do the promotion. I mean, they they will reach out. Like, I'm I'm pretty, I, I'm willing to talk and obviously over talk too much. But one thing I'm not good about is like asking for favors. So having a company that yeah. will, let's say, reach out to awesome podcast or whoever, you know what I mean? Like like yeah. whatever, whatever, like things like uh, you know, I did comic tropes, which was a big YouTube channel, and yes. I, I was on his yeah, I'm a fan of that stuff. And he, yeah, he, he, yeah, I love his stuff and. He's got a really big reach, and I was I was paying for on his Patreon just because I liked the content he was making over the years. And but then they were like, "Well, ask him," and I'm like, "I can't ask him." But then Zoop was like, "Well, we'll ask him." And then he had, <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that, Like I kind of uh, I get bashful or I asking for favors or even your your guy's time and asking you to read my book is is kind of pompous, you know? Like, could you read right. this and have me on? And hopefully, it's written well enough where people actually do want to have me on and like to have me on, you know? But I mean, that's that's, that's the new pleasure. world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. That's the new world, Nick, isn't it? You don't you can't just be a creator anymore. You can't just be Jack sitting there drawing, can you? You've got there's got to be almost all. I don't think there has to be, but for a lot of people, there's got to be this other element, isn't it? This almost sort of selling your book element as well these days, which seems a shame in a way. So it's yeah. good to have people like Zoop. But I'm guessing Zoop are kind of like, they're almost across between a publisher and a platform 
handler, aren't they? In a way, you know. Yeah, the they, they comes are. From elsewhere, but they seem to do everything else, you know. They are, and what really attracted me to them is they had they had the book for um, they had the Winterman book, and they uh, it was a, a the Winterman book was the big yeah uh, artist, artist edition of um, yeah. Uh, uh, Jean Paul Leon is that? that yeah, Jean Paul yeah. and they they did that uh, with without taking a fee and gave all the funds to his family. Oh, and nice. as yeah. I as I was making my decision, I saw they did pretty good with that book, and I thought that was a really cool thing. So I said, you know what? Let's roll the dice with these Zoot guys, and it, it worked out incredibly well. So uh, I'm glad I did. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, as a as a creator, it was like. The one thing, if I'm giving advice, I would say, like, look at the lay of the land and, like, see what the universe has plopped in front of you, God has plopped in front of you, and then use whatever limited intellect we have as creators and try to make your best decision. And, and once you make that step, don't look back and then look for the next step. And that's kind of what I did. When Zoot presented itself, It there was some check marks, like, okay, take care of customer service, take care of fulfillment, hold the money for printing. That sounds like all good stuff to me. So it's like, yeah. all right that feels right. I go with that. And then you make the best of it. You don't like a lot of times, like early on when I went with zoo, people are like, well, you got the, they offered you the premium Kickstarter spot and you can't lose there. And I was like, yeah, but they, they don't do the things I need. And yeah, like I, I can make it work. My editor, Chris Stevens says Mobius used to say, no matter who your publisher is, you're, you're going to be the one that needs to push. Like it's going to be on right. us. Yeah. So, he always tells me we're the one pushing, we make it happen, we drive it forward. And it, so in that sense, it almost doesn't matter where you land. It's all about your men mentality about how to get it out there. And, and, and it frees you up to work on the actual book itself. Oh, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Which That's is what we were. We, no we as fans want to win that as well. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, because this book is over 100 pages. I mean, the, what we look. I mean, what I'm looking now is a page count of 172. Glorious, <laughs> uh, including back matter of stuff, of course, which we love on this show. We absolutely yeah. love all of that. Um, and I mean, we were talking before um, you came on, like about the pro your art process for it, and because um, just looking at the book, it just taps into all the things. I mean, me personally, I just love like the creature design and you know the the what the wild colours and obviously the violence and action. But I think in terms of the book itself, one of the things I, I have to ask, what was the inspiration for John's face? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, good shout. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, this is the one of the biggest things you can say about a comic book character. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I'm fans of a moustache, but you, you yeah. appear to have ruined his. He's got an absolute <laughs> grievous injury, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, there's a story reason for it, but the, but honestly, it was it started out as a sight gag. So, like like I said at the beginning, it was like I wanted to do this over the top machismo thing, and like privately, like uh, in my personal life, I like I like to lift weights. I was the number eighth ranked super heavyweight arm wrestler in the state of Texas. Like, yeah. I don't know. Holy yeah. shit. Over the top. <laughs> and then like, and then when, when my daughter when in and out, and I used to, you know when I walk into a room with my friends, like it's almost like a command. And they're all, you know, big, strong dudes. I'll be like, what's up, boy, boy, boy? And it's almost like you're telling them, like, we're all going to be little kids right now and mess around. So I walk into room and arm wrestle guys my whole life. I yell, boy, 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 is like my little chant for the fellas. And then God says, well, how about a bunch of girls in your life now, Nick? What are you going to do with this, right? Because yeah. like, he gave me all daughters, right? So now yeah, I'm like, yeah. 
Now my wife and two girls and we live close to her family and I'm not next to my buddies anymore. I'm just alone drawing. And I've had this like um, broken machismo essentially. <laughs> and and with John, I associate a mustache, like a big thick mustache as like the ultimate visual machismo. And I knew in the story he was his machismo was going to be broken. So what I started drawing was a, a scar that broke his machismo in half to like symbolize his ego and his machismo getting taken down a peg. And there was that idea visually, like a visual sight gag for John for the scar. And then I, I know that there is a nasal passage and booger holes, but visually <laughs> I didn't think I could market booger holes, you know? And so like, <laughs> I've, I've had a few, I've had a few people tell me, and I know like, I think, I mean, there's been some big artists like mention it to my art. Does he know? Yes, I know, but I, I'm going to work it in yeah, this story. It's comics, later. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, also, you just turn around and go, yeah, but there aren't people with spider legs growing out of their back either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just say it's a carterized moon. And when I finally do show how it gets ripped off in a flashback in a later volume, uh, it'll make sense. You know, okay. it'll make sense. So it's uh, not going to yeah, be pleasant, though, is it? It's not going to be pleasant. No, it's going to be hideous. It's going to be really, <laughs> really bad. Um, <laughs> And, and the story, the one thing I did laying out the story, my wife writes mysteries and, uh, she, right. uh she's got a, she's got a good agent now and she's got her first manuscript that's going to be, uh, whatever they do sent out to the auction houses. Hopefully mm, they bid awesome. on it or whatever. So, uh, so like we're always talking about mystery and how to manipulate the reader. And with John, I purposely laid out across the five volumes, these twists that would always turn the story on its head like again and again and again and so there's going to be a great twist with with how he loses his face and what what was actually happened with john and i think there's a pretty good twist in volume one there's a two probably in volume one and then um yeah so it was, there's it was a couple of twists in volume one that's what i like about it we're not yeah. going to give anyway uh, any spoilers and we've already told nick off, off uh, what the bits that we like that, we'll, <laughs> yeah. that you've got to read for yourself sorry folks but you got to read it for yourself and you um but there's quite a few twists. There's one at the end with the. There's a certain reveals rather than twists. I would say there's certain reveals. I was like, oh, well, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> and, and original ones, not yeah, like yeah, 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 fresh ones. Yeah. yeah. And normally, but they're but they're sort of like they usually some of them are quite sort of emotional reveals. And I, I this is sitting amongst a story that contains quite a bit of violence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at a panel now, and it's it's probably sixty percent red in this panel. <laughs> so, what was like? I mean, this is a sort of hyper extended sort of fantasy world that that John's sort of living in. Um, there's a lovely way that you introduce the story of of someone sort of telling this story, and it sort of turns that on its head. Um, but I, I, I there feels like it feels comfortable watch looking at this kind of world even though it's crazy and over the top i feel like there's influences from different kinds of like universes from i don't know like a, like a fist of the north star type world to some to something else what what influence when you sat down and just thought let's craft this into something from the sketch to the book what did you draw from what I realized, it might get this might get a little esoteric or strange, and I'm just good. We okay, that. yeah, sure. let's do it. But it's kind of like um, there, there was one thing I knew that I needed to draw people to me, right? And the and in the Alan Moore sense, like to spell is simply to spell. I thought if I was going to catch 
like and I, I literally meant this like literally if i was going to catch readers and the, essentially the reader is myself readers that would like what i like mm -hmm. i was going to draw them to me so i was going to draw the best i could and this is like a very kind of obtuse answer but uh, i thought about the axes looking like hooks and i thought man if i could cover the mar if i could draw something when john's got like you know 100 axes in his cape and they're all covered in blood and he's gross it's kind of like i'm throwing a lure out and if it's drawn really well and i drew the book like every page every panel in that book is on its own 11 by 17 board so i knew it was going to be like like hyper detail and i knew that would get attention yeah so i was like i'm gonna draw blood and guts the best the very best i can and that's gonna be a lure for a reader like me and i kind of really thought that like if i draw if i draw this thing crazy enough and and bring people in and then people think well it's crazy nick and i'm always kind of known as like the wild or crazy guy uh <laughs> just kind of like when i hang out with people i'm the louder guy or whatever so then i thought just like being uh, a new dad I realized when I come out of the house and I'm like uh, yelling or I'm the loud, I'm the heavy, John only represents a drum beat and I'm only representing a drum beat, but you needed that feminine side. You need my wife who plays the, the harmony or the melody and the, the feminine side of John, the, the basil, the frame narrator, the little girl, I would only have a one note pots and plans clanging unless her voice started showing up visually there's something with john where he's big and bulky and covered in axes and blood but in the twist you'll see i needed something to balance that and the twist was essentially realizing that visually also not just storytelling wise with a soft voice juxtaposed with the blood i needed visually this big bulky man needed a softness around him too and everything was about trying to recreate a balanced piece of art but also a, a really a, a story that like the story wouldn't be attractive if it was just blood and guts it would be what you expect and i think what people when i've when i've gotten i think an honest take where people were surprised by some of the twist um i think nobody thought that i was going to play things uh like, like ever hit a softer note and i think maybe at my best i've done that and if not then people are, are just lying to me and being nice or whatever <laughs> but th th they can see i was trying for it so they just say yeah good job mate or whatever you know but i i think i did i think i tried to do that like create a balanced piece of art you know and yeah, both you, in you, and, you, you balance it with humor as well nick you know there's, yes. there's an awful lot of humor in this book um and you know and obviously with the thing that we can't spoil I think there's those two things that if it was just a you know an exercise in cutting people open, it wouldn't be half as good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh I don't know if you guys have ever saw Danny McBride stuff, like his writing with um Eastbound and Down or yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Some bit, yeah. 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 So his stuff is like completely absurd, but there are moments in it where he's having a real conversation with his wife and he's emotional. And I love that it, with his writing, and then he did the other one, the uh, the preacher one on HBO mm. too. But uh, Vice but, Principles but, as well is one of my favorite shows. I absolutely oh, it, it was fantastic. And then by the by the fourth season of Eastbound and Down, he had it was a little less silly. Yeah, and a little it, it was written a little more tight. It was still like all all silly. Mm. And then they took that he took that writing with whoever his co writers were, and he brought that into Vice Principles, and it was really tight, you know. But but the fact that you could be so absurd and silly but also have emotional moments like danny mcbride was like how can someone set like um a tapestry of things 
and get the absurd stuff that I love, the silly stuff, but the emotional stuff. Yeah. And the fact that his worlds could hold that was uh, inspiring to me. And I was like, well, can I do it with blood and guts and silliness? And, uh, you know, like Brian K. Vaughn's a big, uh, like obviously saga, like he can kind of do it. Like with Brian K. Vaughn, he can have characters with TV heads walking into a room, but the second they say some dialogue, you know that they existed off that page beforehand. And when I drew comic books, I would lay the rooms out so where it would be that they they do exist off the page, like in a 3D mm. uh, okay. draft, drafting kind of way. But but what I'm really impressed with as a writer or as a reader is when characters aren't stand-ins and they walk in and they feel like they've lived a life. And with Brian K. Vaughn stuff, it can be a guy with a TV head and you believe that he's having uh, yeah. sexual problems or whatever's going on, <laughs> you know, whenever he first shows up. And I, I thought that like reading stuff and realizing that worlds can hold so much of that and not limiting myself and trying to and trying to play with that. And the, really, as a new writer, that was my biggest fear. Like, would anyone get this? Did I just write something crazy? You know what I mean? I was so mm. terrified of that. And it seems now that people have enjoyed it. And, you know, we got some good pull quotes from big writers. And crazy you know, well, is what we need as well. Sometimes. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, there's yeah. also that sort of all-pervading strangeness in it. You know, with a lot of, I mean, I, I know you've mentioned Frank quietly, but I'd also include um, Kevin O'Neill in that as well. You know, they manage yeah. to balance and uh, quite a few different things going on there, but they do it with such an original, fresh twist like you do. It's got uh, just a strangeness, an all-pervading strangeness, because this is, you know, this is not your average fantasy realm, isn't it? It's no, not your average yeah, sci-fi totally. realm. It's like its own thing, isn't it? You mm. know? When I look for, like, comics, and uh, especially you find it more in the independent scene, like yeah. there's this uh, Scottish artist named Ian Laurie who I really love. Yes, you know, mm. and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, when when you pick up one of his ash cans, you're just like, "What is this? And who made this?" You know, <laughs> yeah. and like 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 I, it like really it like opens a, a portal in your brain. Like, who is this guy? And I, I've met Ian many times. And he's a great guy, uh, uh, and I've gotten commissions from him. But it's like when you first look at one of his crazy books, and like uh, it would be the highest honor for me to be able to get that reaction. Like what strange weirdo made this book, you know? And then, <laughs> and then like to yeah. make it good too, you know, like, like yeah. actually honor <clears throat> that independent indie raw true voice thing. But then also, also like the, the standard beats of storytelling, the save the cat, you know, 10 turns and timing and all the stuff that you expect. Like, could you marry the two? the strangeness and the structure. And that was a big challenge for me too, because I want it, I want to, I want to be original and I know I'm derivative artistically, you know, and, I, I, and I, I thought, well, I mean, you know, I wear my influences on my sleeve, but I did, I started thinking that I'll never catch Vin. I'll never catch uh, Darrow uh, or Frank quietly or Darrow or Mobius. But you know what, if I write and draw, my voice is going to come out. And that was that thing where John gets that thing where he's got to be more and essentially when he starts killing he starts killing for a reason like i had that conversation with god and he said all right artist well if you have something to say say something and it was just time you know i just turned four i've turned 40 last year but i was uh 36 when i had my first girl right. and it was like um it was just time you know like I've, I've i've collaborated i did marvel style with hickman i made pretty good money and uh i you know, my, my, I guess my highest claim was I got nominated for an Eisner, which was nice, 
But awesome. now it was like, it was like, I, I've got the toolkit that I built to draw. Like if I could work with me, then I could probably launch my writing career. And that's, it was just time to say something, you know, and, and that was mm. really it. And I'm, we, I'm glad okay. that I'm glad that it's strange because I want that strangeness to be. I want people to be like, "That's that weird book on my shelf," you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you I know think with I'm, some that that area of art, um, Nick, I think is something that we really do admire in the UK. And one of the reasons for that is 2000 AD, I think, because it's it's not straight heroic fiction in that comic. You know, you've got people like McMahon, and I don't know if you know of the artist Massimo Ballardinelli, if you've ever heard of him. Mm -mm, mm -mm. But he, I'm, I, I would guarantee that Quietly is is a fan of his work. He lives in that sort of strange you know he can do adventure you know he did he did, did dandare stuff but he, he does this sort of twisted reality thing that i think you'd really dig it man because i've heard you talk about you being in almost a like a little pocket in a sort of you're in a city block of creators i think i've heard you refer to it in a previous interview of you from quietly jeff darrow and, and chris burnham as well i think yeah burnham's you know? a good friend uh darrow's been really kind with his time and uh vin has also been nice and i i know all those guys now i've I, yeah, they're he's friendly with me now. Uh, Daryl's kind of random. He'll just call me randomly from France. Sometimes. <laughs> That's cool. And, uh, yeah, like yeah. so nuts. I was like, do I pick up the phone? What do I say? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. What do you say to this guy? And then like uh, he loves like kung fu movies and stuff. And he's so sweet with and like he's such a gentle soul, uh, oh. Jeff. And uh, quietly, I like revere so much because he is the guy who got me to start drawing when I was seventeen years old. And uh, uh, okay, from what what comic was that? You, you saw it was it was the authority the authority okay. um, yeah and I, I i was in like i played sports and had a camaro and was had a, my <laughs> first girlfriend and i ended up having enough credits to graduate uh before like the the last semester so i just stopped going to class and they booted me out of my classes into like the intermediate level or whatever okay and in in that class i met a kid who just drew all day didn't do his assignments he's like i'm gonna be a comic book artist and he was going to the Kubert school and oh, I said, cool. and he could draw out of his head. And I was like, you can draw out of your head. And I just started getting obsessed with it. He, it was like, I sat next to a, a magician in class. He was just drawing stuff <laughs> like draw Batman, punching a dude or draw Superman, taking a dump or whatever. And he could just do it. And I was like, man, I want to learn how you're doing this. And that, that got me going. He took me to the comic shop and, you know, he loved the Kubert boys and something about the American romanticized. I, I consider it like a Jim Lee style yeah. where, you know batman's mad but he like he has the captain morgan pose when he's mad and it's graduating perfect lines over perfect abs that never like made me believe i was reading something I, it, it just looked like images next to words but when i picked up the authority and uh and that was like probably 99 2000 and i picked that up and when First off, it was like, you know, gay Superman and gay Batman and they're killing people. Awesome content for like a 17 year old. This is freaking awesome. Right. And then uh, and then but but when you saw Midnighter angry and he kind of turned his head slowly, that was like a guy would look before he got in a fight. And then if he right. slowly turned his head and he's raising a crowbar to swing at someone's head, how do you not turn the page and all the the honesty in the cartooning? that quietly can get in just like oh that that guy gets it or that guy it 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 made me start reading comics because i wanted to turn the page for the first time and then after that i was hooked you know i was all in yeah okay man because you're if you don't mind me saying so i'm i was a fan uh, me and my son both read um, the manhattan projects together you know as he was yeah. sort of growing up and we really loved that book but your style is slightly different there as well have you sort of 
changed it for this book or has it evolved or how does that work? If you yeah, think it's changed at all, indeed. In oh, you know? yeah, I, I think it's definitely changed. One, just the content of old the old guys in science suits. I realized so many games <laughs> I would get would be like, either like, you're a detail guy, so it's got to be Godzilla ripping up a city or something. Or it would be like, it's like old men. But I never really got to do like big superhero stuff like like or ever a run on it. And I know I knew that if I was going to try to do this manly comic, I need it to like really go. I really want it to go crazy with my proportions and yeah. also uh, a little more finesse. Like I used to draw 11 by 17, like a normal person, but now I'm drawing every panel on its own 11 by 17. Oh, I heard you say this. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So every single panel is, is the size of a page. Yeah. Yeah. Every single. So, so they're like <laughs> almost three feet tall uh, because uh, they're turned sideways. <laughs> Uh, That's got to yeah. be good for the original art market as well, Nick. Nice yeah, thinking the, there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The original art did great in that, and like, and that's a subset, like a subculture community. And yeah. I, I, I collect art as well, so I knew that that would make me stand out in that crowd too. So, like, uh, like that's that's that book that was drawn every page three foot tall, three times up, or whatever. Like, it it gives you something else to talk about. There's a part of me that really likes the marketing side, but also I I knew I had to do my best work. It was just like I I wanted to. If I was going to do this for me and write for me, I knew to to support my writing. If it wasn't going to be good, I think it's okay at least. Maybe it's good. That's great. But, but, yeah, but we I loved I, it, man. Yeah. But I I knew that if I if if I if I was a new writer in in comics, I would love to work with Nick at his best. So at worst, at the very worst, I could do was work with a great artists and i i knew i had that part at least slightly down but i needed to be better and i needed to do my best so i drew everything oversized with the tiniest pens and because uh, really i've heard you i've life. heard you quote is it frankly you quote when you say uh he, he said to you only do your best work is that right yeah so he he's i've heard him say that before to others right and there's and uh and that's like i have a degree in uh as an art teacher and huh. I never, I never used it, but but that is essentially if you treat drawing like you only got to beat yourself, you can't lose. Like uh, you'll you'll crumble if you look at Darrow when you start to draw or quietly yeah. or Mobius. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never, you'll never. But if you just think I only got to get better than me the day before, you know that's, that's your so, yardstick for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so big, and it. And if, if, and it's this other thing too, is like, then you're never satisfied. Like even now I'm like, I see, I'm, I'm really proud of John, but I'm like, I can't wait to get to book two because I'm going to make it even better. Like I've learned so much drawing wise. And, and then it, you'll, you'll, you'll be in a state where you're never quite satisfied. So you're always getting better and you're not stagnating. And it's, it's, that's, it's, it's as simple as that line is do your best work. And if I, I, I do have other professional friends that are like, Oh, they only pay 200 for a cover. So yeah. they're going to get 200 worth of work. Never do that because like, just never do that. Always go crazy and do your best work because that's representative of you. You know, that that's, that's, that's what's going to get you your next gig. And I've always, as bad as I've drawn in the past, that was the best I could do. Sadly, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just think now I'm at a point where I am getting, I'm getting more polished. I think with the new book and I have more of a, some of the play there's a lot of playfulness in the story but I, I used to distract from story in a way where hickman would give me something and i'd be like oh this guy's going to be scratching his ass and this guy's going to be doing this and then quickly 
uh, Hickman realizes we got to work Marvel style because Nick's doing whatever the hell he wants on Manhattan Brothers. Right? <laughs> I've heard you say this. So you, you actually developed Marvel style from the way you were working with him. So he would send you more detailed scripts. For those who don't understand it, he would send you detailed scripts, but you were sort of extrapolating everything. So he just sent you a summary and then and then he'd add the dialogue. But is that right? Or Yeah, yeah. So like it's uh, for Marvel style versus full script. Imagine a full script like a movie script. Yeah. Marvel style where you just get like a paragraph and some some of the ones would just be like text messages from Hickman. But what what I did was whenever I whenever I've gotten a full script, I'm drawing and playing and building the environments and the characters are standing around. So then that guy's going to hop up on a ladder and he's going to unscrew a light bulb. And what I'm doing is I'm undermining probably a great script for my characters to play in the world. So like if I was writing for young Nick, I would have fired him in three pages. And now that I'm writing for like what I consider like a real script for myself, like I, I take that seriously, much more seriously than I want when I got a Hickman script. So I apologize to Hickman and the previous <laughs> writers where I was like, Hey, this is my world to do sight gags and silly stuff. And, uh, and I think with Manhattan projects, Hickman is such a, um, plotter like he sees the big picture and i was the he's the brain and i'm the arm and i'm i'm literally okay. in the panel moving stuff around that it worked as a balanced because as a balance because we had the big things we were getting to plot wise but you also got to see Feynman looking in the mirror or uh einstein drinking and wielding a chainsaw a lot of that stuff was just on the fly you know oh, when cool. i felt like drawing it so um with john i'm just taking it like okay this shot is on his back this shot is closer on his back this shot is requesting over and we're seeing this there is no space for artist nick to be like oh there's going to be a bird taking a shit on an alligator are you i'm all right in thinking you're going to go back to that eventually you spoke to mr hickman and you're thinking about going back to it are you or yeah yeah i mean we we want to there's been like multiple people in hollywood i guess this one we can talk about but a few years back um the guys because i think this is past now we'll, we'll okay. see it's past. but I'll, I'll tell you it was the guys that did um uh the south park guys matt parker and trace oh right cool yeah they, yeah they were they were super into it and uh they had calls with hickman and his lawyers and they were wanting to do something and uh that was years back and then recently there's been some other people that are really tied into comics and really big uh, TV guys that are interested in it again. And whenever Hickman said, when we do it, we need to do it. And when we go back to when we get one of these announcements, if one of these things happen, but okay. we never, we never really say, well, there's been multiple times where it's been almost, and sometimes people will announce that too early, but instead we just never talk about it. So, yeah. um, but, but there is a, there is a real, there's so many things that are seated in the first 20, 25 issues that are big story arcs later that we never got to. So, and, and that's right. one I would, I would love to finish. Uh, it also makes me a lot of money. So it doesn't hurt <laughs> yeah. to go back to that either. <laughs> yeah. Get that, get the movie money in. That's what you want. Yeah. yeah. I oh, mean, to yeah. be fair, this would make a great, cartoon wouldn't it as well we're talking about um axwell to john you know it would make a great amazing cartoon i, I mean it's almost set up for cartoons and action figures i mean because i can yeah, see God, yeah, yeah i can hell, i'd love that yeah the, yeah the masses of the universe sort of with a detachable face with yeah. <laughs> with uh I, I tell you what to me it really sort of comes to the forefront 
with the sort of henchmen, you know, within the castle, the brightly coloured green castle, and Frank, who's a fantastic. Frank is character. my favourite character. Yeah, he's great. Amazing. With his three rules. Yeah, the three rules. <laughs> while he's he's training up an apprentice to take over his job, and who Frank is is just absolutely sublime. But that wonderful. Um, there's that real. I mean, you were talking earlier about like walking in a room and going bro, 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 and having that kind of dialogue. I can see. I, since you said that, I can hear that kind of like that real sort of tough guy or or like the guy speak between those two, like two two workers just sort of going. And like, Horace okay. as well. Horace yeah. is great. Yeah. 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 So, what was the inspiration for like all these other characters apart from like John? Like, did you with some of those dialogue? Like, was that literally ripped from a moment in real life? As, as it could be. Because yeah, you, you do talk a lot about names as well. You yeah. have to, like, giving someone a name is almost a symbolic ceremony of a thing in your book, isn't it? Mm. The name's important. Yeah, I guess my first reaction is I'm, I'm really happy you like those characters. I, I love Frank, I love Bloodbath, and I love Horace, and they're, they're going to be <laughs> yeah. main characters going forward. And they all have got, like, their own, like, problems, you know? Um, yeah. What what I, um, the, the naming thing was, like, uh, you know, a wink at Masters of the Universe or Spider-Man with a hyphen in the middle or, yeah. you know, Battle Cat or whatever. But but there was also this, um, like, I was really thinking about, like, Bloodbath specifically, like the young version of me, the, the one that's probably I need to grow out of, you know, the guy that's too quick to swing a hammer, too, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, yeah. writing-wise, those lessons, I had kind of crammed them in in an early version and then what was really great is like uh if you just like meditate on the writing or give it space then all of a sudden it'd be like lesson two falls here oh lesson three falls here and lesson three was such a big breakthrough because i had kind of crammed two and three together i mean no one knows what i'm referencing because it's an old script but when lesson three hit like bloodbath had kind of agitated frank right because he's talking about trying to maybe swing a swing at Horace one day and he says you know get your you know, get your head out your ass kid kind of thing yeah. and then like and then you know bloodbath apologizes and then they're on the bridge and then he's like hey and then shit's going sideways on the bridge and he's like hey kid you want to know that third lesson and he you know taps him on the shoulder and he says if you're going to get in a fight be first and yeah, that's a great line man it was yeah. also like in a it was like a fully accept like like kid like uh, he's been reprimanding this the bloodbath the whole time you know and now he was like they kind of got to meet at a moment where frank existed and his mentality existed and it was almost like like if your dad's been yelling at you but your dad says go pop that dude yeah. you're almost it's like it's like they made up in a moment and he yes yeah, yeah, yeah because you know it's like I mean? you do there's an understanding thing. yeah, yeah. and yeah. there's also that you do your thing and i'll back you up yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And it, it felt like they were partners, and then, yeah. then, it, then it made them both kind of a little more likable, and uh, and then you care about them, and then then when we're setting up these fights with these these guys with, I'm 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 Bloodbath, and I'm Axwilder John, and they got to throw down, and maybe you care more, or when Frank yeah. just wants to go home to his wife and kids, yeah. and he gets pulled in some <laughs> shit down the line, and he is he's going to get put through it like everyone gets put through it in this book, and uh, yeah, and I kind of so I'm good. kind of excited about. Like I, what I, my goal was to make you like these henchmen that just seem like side characters, and then when they go to battle, it's gonna hurt because like I want you to like them enough 
to win if if and when some of them die. Oh, you're gonna te- you're gonna break her heart, aren't you, Nick? That's what you're saying. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. The whole, the whole point is to make this as painful yeah. as possible. As and soon as Frank <laughs> says, like, oh, I've only got I've only got a few days, and then I'm like, that's it. I'm just going home to the wife. It's like, oh no, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, uh, I mean, th- there are some that survive too, and some don't. But uh, but 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 the whole point, writing wise, was I had to get. I had to get some likable characters yeah. in there for you to for you to root for. You know, just like if you're going to watch a UFC fight, they got to do those promos. Yeah, yeah. Show you, to show you that, that you got to like them before you kill them, man. That's, that's yeah. it. zombie yeah, yeah. movies have taught us that, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so like, but as a new writer, I wasn't sure I could do that. So when you guys were saying that, but anytime someone says Frank's their favorite, that means a lot because uh, that was a big thing. Because like, there's so much that I have going down onto the page that's in my head but then it, it's got to read up from the page into mm-hmm. your head and i don't know how that how that works yet you but know? i, I don't will know. i will say that like we you can tell a lot from like dialogue and just and just in one page you know whole comics are made with just one page for instance but the the one page where the first panel is frank with a clipboard and he's checking things off those <laughs> I three screenshot panels, that one yeah that, those yeah. three panels and that bit of dialogue tell you everything you need to know about this relationship and you immediately like it yeah it's just from that one page it was like right i'm totally on board with these two i don't even know who they are (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's we're gonna do so so many fun things with those and that that means a lot and like uh those characters do exist for me and i don't know if they're like they're referencing not young me but a lot of like young bombastic men i've met and then obviously my, my dad's actually his name is Frank and he's a construction worker and he, he's, he's, he's about shaped at the same silhouette as Frank. Uh, uh, but uh, but he's the one that's being patient, yeah. kind of quiet, kind of laughing a little bit, but kind of just like, don't do that. Don't do this. And he's right, you know, and as I get older, I'm sure he'll be even more right. And so like honoring some of the the spirit of some of the men that I've been around in my life was a big goal that yeah, i man, these strong men they're quiet you know they're sensible but you don't want to get a right hander off them do you, do you yeah know what I mean? they're not they're not your chin out you it's know, good it's to like see these characters yeah. in a comic you know yeah, I mean? yeah 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 so uh it means a lot that you guys like those characters that's that's what um if i did that right then i think you'll really enjoy the rest yeah. because uh yeah. or you're gonna yeah. hate the rest because it, it, it's, it's gonna bother you one way or the next what happens to everybody <laughs> If kind of listeners uh, kind of know the comics we kind of go for, this will be your cup of tea. And make, yeah. Yeah, absolutely love love it. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, like, you, for instance, you took that spin after you've had, what, like two issues worth of just bombastic, just Axe Word of John type action. And then, you, that, you know, it's the way the world, you know, we have the, the pre-credit sequence like bombast, but then the world sort of organically grows out from there. Um, and to know that you did you say earlier how many books are you playing first did you say five yeah it's five uh, oversized volumes and oh then there's God. like this there's a, there's a sixth but I don't know if it's going to be a storybook or how it's going to work but there's it, like I know the I know the ending and there's like there's two like two remote side characters that are actually really intertwined that kind of ended up building the whole a, a big story point but it's such a full, it's such a far back flashback that it wouldn't have John in it, so I don't even know if it would be called Axel or John. But for, okay. for but there's five of Johns, and 
the, and when we hang up, I'll, I'll, I'll tell y'all some of it. It's going to be nuts. Like the, the five <laughs> volumes and it gets super crazy. It's like, it's like, I know book one is, is like crazy and strange, but it's got heart to balance some of it mm-hmm. out. I, I would hope, but the other ones just get like, like they lean into like the metal herlant, like really crazy. Love like, it, man. Yeah. Really crazy stuff. So I, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost worried that, if if you like, you know, like my mom saw the campaign and sent it to her co- co-workers. And so they're, they'll get this weird John book. But if they stick around for volume two or three, they're going to be like, your son needs to be, you know. Oh, I'm, man, we, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you, you, I know we've only just met Nick, but we all make comics that our parents would be ashamed of us. The other thing you did as well, mate, is you, um, you've got an extensive pinup section at the back. I picked out some names. Just to read out. So you've got uh, Nick Darrington, great. David Marquez, Matt Liznowski. Um, yep. He's amazing, isn't he? That's a yeah. really lovely one. Uh, Ryan Alves, who's a sort of small press guy from over there. Um, you've got Samney on one as well, I know. It's Nick. And also Owen Sherwood, who's um, a small press, press guy we know from over here as well. How did you go about gathering those pinups? Or were they just sent to you? Or you know, Man, it, that, that was such a, a blessing. And thanks to all of those artists. Um, what happened was, since I was showing John off, early people had kind of like said well what is this and uh a couple artists just started drawing them and i said i said well uh if you draw them i'll throw them in the book and everyone that emailed them to me a scan i put in the book um but some people like did them and then they didn't email them but i ran out of space so they'll they'll go in book two i apologize okay we put 60 in there but anyone that i missed they're, they're going in book two as long as they email them to me i've got to like individually hunt them down but we used, you know, not everyone got a full page. You know, I had to squeeze in. I, 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 I lot at 20 pages for the pinups and we got like 60 on 20 pages. But but what had happened was <laughs> like Somni just did his to be nice. Right. And nice. He's, got a huge, he's got a huge following. Yeah. And I said, oh, man, this is fantastic. I've never even met Chris before. And I was like, this is great of you. And uh and then like uh, another uh, Marquez is a buddy from Austin, Texas. And nice. he uh he does one and it's like it kind of catches fire and then some independent guys and i know for me when i was trying to break in i would love to get published or and i said man if any of you guys did this if y'all email it to me i'll put it in the book as a thank you well i think that i think that then like some more people that wanted to break in or get their stuff published started doing it and it just created like a a a free promotional campaign that was super great of of the artistic community and i could never thank them enough and and then like seeing like it was almost like every morning i would get up and there would be a new version of john and with when you create like um a new character you don't get to see it live in other artists hands until much later down the line like a conan or a he-man but i was getting to see this realized and envisioned from other artists while I needed to get up and work and it was super inspiring too. So it gave me fuel to finish the book. It gave me free promotion. And the least I could do was put, put as many as I could in the book, you know? So thanks to all those guys, it was an amazing, uh, amazing thing. And I've, I reached out to some and bought some, uh, you know, I've never, I never try to take anything for free. Uh, I, I bought Matt Lewinsky's, but, but two guys who gave, gave me theirs for free was, uh, Dave Marquez. It was on a little sketch card, and he mailed it to me, and I was like, "Oh, dude, you can't do this." And then Chris Somney too, man, you can't even get on that guy's commission list. And nice, he yeah. He mailed it to me, and then uh, I bought I bought like three other ones, 
uh, and a couple of many of people have offered to give them to me, but I, I, I buy comic art. So whenever I get the last check from Zoop, I'm going to reach out and try to buy some more from everybody. Oh, no, uh, sweet, man. But Chris and Dave, uh, I think those are the only, probably the only two free pieces of art I've ever gotten. And that was really nice of them. And they're pros and they can sell their stuff for hundreds of dollars. And I just, oh, at least, yeah. Thousands, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thousands of dollars. And I'm like, <laughs> man, you guys are like, they're really sweet. And, uh, if they ever want to do like crowdfunding and learn what I do or use, you know, me do a pinup in their book and they can, you know, as a conduit to my backers or whatever, I, I would, I would totally support them mm. because those guys did that for me. Same thing with anyone that helped me out. Like uh, I'm, I'm hoping I'll be in a position to help out more people. And that's another thing I'm doing with John is I created my own label, Kuroshi comics, and we're eventually going to have a, we're in, we're in talks with a couple of big publishers for my own label and producing some books and the idea would be we could crowdfund for people and then have some soft cover distribution and you know translators and get it worldwide instead of just the crowdfunding and eventually that that will be in place and uh maybe i'll get to help out some more of these guys that help me out you know i love that kiroshi uh, logo as well what, what does kiroshi mean it means to it means to die from overwork. So hey. <laughs> hey. a true <laughs> comics publisher <laughs> yeah. yes. I was talking to Jeff Darrow about this and uh, I was like, is, is there anything better than just like, if we just go, just kill over at the drafting table, you know, like, and, and my wife heard me and I hung up and she was like mad. And she's like, she says, most people would want to be, would want to pass away with their family and friends. around." <laughs> you know, she, was she was so pissed. And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah, but it'd be cooler, you know, like, like that's a way to go. But I also, it was like a mindset for me where it was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do John my way and go a hundred percent. I'm going to, I'm going to take one swing and go all the way. Even if I, even if I died trying, you know, and that was a, that was the mindset. And then Kiroshi sounds good with comics, just the cadence. Yeah. And uh, eventually I'm going to do, when it's all done, I am going to make a big manga digest version of it. And so it kind of fits, you know, that brand in five, six years, whenever I do that. So, um, yeah, that was, that was the, the mindset behind that and just wanting to do it my way and, or die trying. So that was, well, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding of this, that this yeah. first book, you know, um, I know all the work that went up to just this first book and the inspiration mm. for it, but, you know, bring on the next four volumes. I mean, I'm not saying you have to lock yourself away for the next ten years. Please do, please, <laughs> but but please do. Um, no, uh, but what have you learned though in this process from, you know, especially compared to like some of the the bigger publisher work to to doing this? What has been some of the real eye opening lessons you've learned for yourself in terms of your own working process? Um that you got to be the driver and that that's a that's a lot different than being the passenger meaning if if an if a publisher's waiting on me and i'm i'm going to get something in on wednesday if i wait to the last minute wednesday and i get it in or thursday morning they'll be fine i think the art's going to be so good it'll be fine but but as a publisher if you take two or three days to respond to a creative they will then take six to seven days to respond to you. Uh, interesting, you have yeah. got to be Johnny on the spot. Mm. And like, uh, you've got to be, because I've worked, you know, I work with a lot of contractors and I've, I've some great ones and, you know, lackadaisical ones. Like you're learning about that side of it for the first time. Mm. And uh, my, thankfully I have Chris Stevens, who is an Eisner award-winning editor. 
but sorry about the dog barking down there. Um, I can't hear it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but, uh, but like, uh, he's, I'm learning a lot from him and he, and he, and he tells me these things, we got to be the one to push. If you take two days to respond, you can just see what happens. It'll, these guys will, and other things too, like sometimes like uh, something I wanted to do with this was also pay people up front. And, uh, that doesn't always work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, uh, like, like, uh, it's almost like you, you can't, this, this is going to sound really cruel and the only way i can describe it is like it is like you are having a carrot on a stick and if you just give the carrot away sometimes they don't come around back around to do the work or there's like no there's no there's nothing to entice some creative some creatives are super professional some are and then like i don't i didn't have a set rule system i just thought well yeah. here's the money here's the money I want to work with you. Here's the money. And some guys super professional, some guys less so, you know, and, yeah. and that was, that's a learning process and uh, like trying to, and you can kind of see on the business side where the heart gets taken out of it is an artist side. I'm all heart, you know, mm. but on the business side, yeah. I think my, on the business side, my heart probably got in the way more and I I've got it. And It'll probably still get in the way more, you know. It's just how it's going to be. But you got to have passion for these things, yeah. man, and that's where it shows. I think. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I love creatives, and I understand the situation because I've been in, you know, yeah. dire straits situations with hmm. finances and chasing dreams and stuff. And um, and I'll probably still be that way. But it, it was good to have Chris Stevens as a buffer, you know, yeah. because I I would sooner just overpay everybody, pay them all up front. And uh, and that that's worked out really great, and some 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 it's caused hiccups here and there. But, so uh, has but overall, was Chris a good like sort of uh, pillar of advice at those points as well? Yeah, yeah, he, he wasn't wrong about anything. Did I did I listen? <laughs> no. <laughs> on the next round, uh, yeah, he he was great, and he's he's done so much. Like he put together that big oversized little Nemo book. Um, oh, I know. Yeah, on a bunch of Eisner's with anthologies that's like 30 creative teams, right? 40 creative teams, colorist. Yeah. And, and he learned so much about friending artists or friending writers and then their temperaments. Some people are more professional, some people more shoot the shit. And, and his Rolodex is really deep with, with the contacts that he has, but also he just learns how to manage people. And that's something that as an artist, I just got to sit away and everyone else got to be the deal with their own problems and when i show up the art's going to be so good they're going to be impressed no matter what well as a publisher it's going to be like okay this guy sent an email you need to respond you need to be direct don't get chummy don't get friendly yeah. just tell that's them a big business. mistake i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i want to i want to be friends with everybody like since i was a little kid getting picked on i just want people to like me you know and then whatever yeah. that and that that going into business isn't it is what i still want but uh it's something i'm going to have to pull back on you know get you man yeah 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 cool so can, when is the book available is it coming out soon or yeah so right now the campaign's open for about two more weeks after this is uh and it, it's finished it's complete the printer has the file they are mailing me like i had to do remarks because i'm doing there's about 500 copies for stores and every one thing with retailers is i didn't want to undercut them with the crowdfunding but i mm -hmm. thought I thought I could make it extra special and do a sketch in every retailer order. So, <laughs> so do, was, you, do you regret that yet? Or no, <laughs> I, I I love that I get to do it, and uh, we, right. we made a special tip in sheet that oh, it, cool. wasn't, it wasn't in the PDF, but it's got like a little 
you know, three inch square with axes around it with a little signature plate. And, oh. um, and essentially all the, every book's going to have that in it. And I'm going to try to sign as many as I can, uh, for fans, but, um, the printer's mailing that to me next week and I'm going to sit down for two or two weeks or so and do, get all those sketches and signatures done, mail it back. And then they're printing and sending it to the fulfillment center. This is my first go around, so I can't give you an exact date, but we're hoping yeah. in the next month and a half or month that nice. the, the hard yeah. covers will go out. And then, oh. um, and then once that happens, everyone should be getting, we got, you know, the tool, we've made little action figures, little rubber men and stuff, and those are all printed and done, not printed, <laughs> molded, hand molded. And, we got lithographs there done. All the ancillary items are done. We're just kind of waiting on the book now. And when that, so so if you order it, you should be getting the book. Let's just call it two months. You'll get the book within two months. And then uh, and then you should you will you get the PDF right away if you want to read it early. It, it'll come with every order. And uh, yeah, that's it. Um, that's right, man. Are you doing super... are you doing much of a sort of promo tour? Have you got any cons lined up or mm. you know anything like that? I am. <laughs> uh, my art rep Felix kind of wants me to have me out on the. Ah, uh, you with Felix, are you? Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Felix, actually, I was agent. He's a businessman, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's a. He's a he, I'll tell you, man. Me and him, like, I love Felix. I was the first artist to go with Felix, and I I recruited most of the early artists uh, ah, to okay. you jump over to him. Yeah, uh, I'm friends with Jason Wood from EOC, and I know he speaks very highly of him. No, he's yeah. he's very good, but he is like so for me when I when he would like table with me at a show. I'll be like, fans, take this, take this. Here's a print. And Felix would just be like cutting his eyes. And then he'll like, <laughs> and I love Felix, but he almost like he assumes he who kind of assumes the worst. I'm like, this guy's just being friendly. And Felix is like, he's getting that to flip, you know? And he's like, I don't I <laughs> Is he don't British? <laughs> <laughs> he's just a, like I I say this and and it's what we need. He's like a he's like a set of knives for us artists because we're so sweet, most of us, you know. Yeah. And we'll, we'll give stuff away and, and Felix is like, no. And then it also does things where it damages your market. It also upsets, like let's say you have a really great collector that's the patron of your work and they're they're paying good money for your stuff. And then if you just give something away and they see it flipped, they feel taken advantage of. He just gotcha. it hurts the whole system. And so he's just really good about trying to get us um, you know, like branding ourselves and and being consistent, I think being yeah. consistent, getting you good money as well, man. That's a part of it. I've done a sort of an extremely minor version of that when I was at Heroes last year, and there's sort of three of us, four of us who do like his little mini comic company. And uh, I had Cliff and Falpy, or the two artists buddies who, who run who were in the little company with us, and they were drawing. And I was having to say, "Get back to the table. Come on, stop fucking around. You still got three commissions to do." do you know what I mean? It's like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah, that's what I go off and chat. And Felix is like, are you, are you really going to go out and have that? Well, this is when I, you know, years ago when I would do more shows, but he would, he would be like, oh, you guys are going out to have a drink. Let's go back to the hotel and all draw. You know, he's just trying to get us around <laughs> us. Um, and uh, yeah, so hopefully this time around, I'm going to be a lot more professional. And like, yeah, with John, I'm going to have to go be a salesman for the first time because before like Hickman could sell it because it's Hickman, you know, Manhattan Projects was doing good and whatever else I was working on, it's generally a property. The fans know turtles or something. Yeah. Well, this is an unknown thing and it's really going to be on me to go out and sell it. And I haven't had to do that before, but I'm excited to, my wife is going to want me to get rid of the extra copies that are going to be filling up the yeah. house. So I feel your pain, my friend, my garage is full of <laughs> fucking things. I can't get rid of the, uh, <laughs> the, are you doing it? Have you got any specific cons you're thinking about doing, or are you going to do New York or Baltimore or SPX or anything like that? Or 
Chris Stevens is supposed to go to New York and I haven't met him in years and we did right. this whole thing together. So I'm hoping for New York. Um, if not the, the next year, I want fans to have the physical book and I obviously want the physical book out uh, yeah. before I do anything. So probably nothing in the next two months. Uh, but, but at the end of the year, I think a good target would be New York. Uh, Felix usually writes us and, and gets our hotels and stuff and he hasn't done nice. that yet, but I'll probably confirm for New York and uh, have some copies of that axe builder there. So, yeah, uh, this is the one year I'm not doing New York and doing Baltimore ah. instead. That's a shame. Oh, okay. so, uh, so what, what time is Baltimore, by the way? It's, it's I'm... September, I think. Yeah. Okay. So I, that's actually on the table. Cause my, my best friend um, married a, a girl in Baltimore and they just bought a house and he, uh, cool. he, he called me up and said, there's, there's supposed to be a Baltimore show. And I said, depending on when it is, because I haven't gone up there and visited him yet. And uh, so uh, I have a place to stay. So Baltimore is also on the table. So that, nice. that'd be really great. To it's the same there. weekend as SPX. So I'm doing two days at Baltimore and a day. I'm, I'm sorry, two you're days su- at SPX. such a rock star and, on your Tony. You're I know, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm running the table for no brow SPX for two days, but I'm at Baltimore for the rest of the time. So, yeah, they, it's, it's a weird one that they're both, you know, what, half an hour away from each other and they're the mm-hmm. same weekend. Yeah. It's uh that's that's cool. be good. I'll, uh, I've never oh, done sorry. Baltimore or SPX, so uh, either me one neither actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, well, there's ba- basically it's the start of the Nick Batara tour, you know, which is <laughs> yeah. going to be running for. Need to well, get you but, over to the UK as well. Yeah, need you back over. Oh here, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, this tour is probably going to be running like a Rolling Stones tour, so it will never stop. So um so got four more volumes. Yeah, four yeah. more volumes. Actually, speaking of, this first volume is The Chirping Skulls of Blackrock. Yeah. yeah. Have you got the names already sussed for this, figured out for the next ones? Uh the next so there's like a battle, the real complete story of Chirping Skulls of Blackrock when you get the whole message. That's the first three volumes. So we've been battling on book two and three do we change it or do we call it part one or part two but but the other one is uh the 11 headed dragon and then the the that's four and then five's the alpha eater and it's uh okay it's a crazy it's oh, wow it's crazy Char- a lot of the characters yeah. have aged in the fourth and fifth volumes and it's uh it's a whole journey it's 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 john's whole life journey essentially in it uh and you got you got a lot of alphas to eat i'm gonna say <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a you know, it, it's a it's a it's a it's going to be a fun story for sure. And it's going to be a I've good thought, chunk I've, of your life story as well, I would imagine. By the time this is all finished, yeah. I mean, I'm setting aside um, five to ten years to do it all, and uh, it's all I want to work on. I'll do some covers and a few mm. commissions, but uh, luckily the Zoop campaign did so good, and the the art market has been really good for me. Where awesome, I can I can. I can fund this thing and, and make it really great. And uh, like I'm, I'm paying Das Pastoras now. He's painting the epilogues for book two and three now. He's done all cool. five. Co- he's done all five covers, which I haven't shown them all off yet because Chris Stevens yells at me when I show, share stuff that's <laughs> five years away. You know, so like, why are you sharing stuff that's five years away? I'm like, oh, I don't know because I'm bored. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we've got like beautiful painted covers. I've sent him the scripts for two and three, and he's sent us roughs back and. Uh, and then he'll jump on to four and five. And then he's actually been really great. At least I, I go through Jose Villarubio as his translator and his rep, but he says he's willing to do a bigger John story, but I just don't know if I could afford it yet. He's expensive. So, <laughs> uh, so we'll see. Maybe, maybe if money's good on the second one, I can hire him to do even a big adventure with John. So 
this is going to be amazing that'd be awesome we can't can't wait to see more of it Um, for our lovely listeners um, who want to find out more about this and and follow you uh, where can they find you and your work Nick Um, on all social media I'm just Nick Patera uh, last name P-I-T-A-R-R-A or or Patara you can call me either I I never correct anyone and then uh, uh, I bought the URL Axe Wilder or Axe Wilder John uh, and that currently links directly to the campaign after uh, the, I'll have the URL link somewhere else, probably to John. We've got a seven inch action figure. Well, I'm probably not supposed to talk about, but we're going into development <laughs> on that. And that'll be like in a year. And it's very expensive. It's like to, to get it machined and everything. It's like oh 60, God. 70,000 bucks. But uh, the prototypes are done for it. And it, it looks just so cool. And uh, so we're, that'll be the next thing I'm hyping. Book two and then probably the figure after that in a, in a year. So wow. that, that's what we got planned no, right now. Awesome. Good man. We'll so, always come back if you've got something else yeah. to talk about. Yeah, yeah I love this, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, big fans. Yeah. Yeah. So, wherever you are in the world, whenever you listen to this, go and check this out because mm. uh, just think about it. You could be li- listening in another six years. There's a good chance that Nick's working on, <laughs> still working on one of the volumes. <laughs> you've got, yeah, 1,200 pages of book to read or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, get on it. And thank you once again for joining us, Nick. It's been brilliant. Hey man, like I, I can't I can't tell you how much it means to me for you guys to read it and y'all's response that that really warms my heart and then also allowing me uh, to take up y'all's time and to pitch to y'all's fan base. Uh, I really couldn't have done it without all the podcasters. Uh, you guys are, are really sweet to have me on and uh, sorry, I think we might have our schedule might have been a little off. No, oh, cool, cool, man. But it means the world and it means the world that y'all read my stuff and uh, the kind words means a lot and. Uh, I'm really happy you guys like Frank, so thanks, guys. And welcome back. What a brilliant guest. Very good. Love it. Thanks to Jordan for lovely, us Lovely up. chap. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. very yeah. cool of him. Yeah. A fantastic creator that I know a lot of our uh, listeners are f- fans of anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, previous because of the Manhattan yeah. Project. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear more about that platform in general. Perhaps we can... Uh, yeah, maybe we get Jordan on or something. Yeah, yeah, to have a chat about it. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, so certainly um, go forth and find out more about the book and, and the crowdfunding platform and, you know, the campaign, etc. Um, well worth your time. But um, while we're talking about crowdfunding yeah. platforms, can I have a bit of a moan? Yes, there was... The, we were having... Um, Funnily enough, old bloke moaning. Yes, yeah, yeah. old bloke moaning a lot. <laughs> it's justified, I think. In this, yeah, yeah it's complete, so. completely yeah, yeah. justified. Um, would you believe it? We're not just celebrity hosts. We actually communicate with each other when we're not recording this show. And there <laughs> was a no there, eye contact though. There was, yeah. yeah. Sometimes we have our lawyer, aka Tom Curry. He's part of the. <laughs> he's part. He's part of the conversation, and I believe he was part of this conversation as well when we were talking about it. Isn't that right, Dan? Yeah. Yes. If you talking about while we're on a crowd, he said, kids. "Save it for the pod." Yes, that's what Tom said. So, Dan, yeah. take it away. Are we talking about the Kickstarter one? Yes. Yeah. The, uh, mm. There's a book on Kickstarter, and it was brought up on social media, and I've spotted it. That uh, there's a campaign, and it's called "The Old Blood," a Bloodborne prequel graphic novel. And Bloodborne, if you, you don't know, is like a really successful uh, huge, game, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge, video game. Is it? massive. Huge. Yeah. So this chap, uh, I, I I can't speak to the, the the character of this guy. I don't know him, so it's, I'm just going on what's on the Kickstarter. Mm. They've essentially made a Bloodborne prequel graphic novel, and 
the the title of the the camp- Kickstarter campaign is the old blood a bloodborne prequel graphic novel and it goes on to say a fan-made graphic novel that encompasses all of the events that lead up to the start of the, of the game bloodborne and the, the title graphic is done in the same font same mm. style it's like a kind of a metal font and the art style is very similar and it's like, how did this get onto Twitter? Just to how be is clear, this? this is a, this is a fan made. It's almost like a fan, you know, it's a bit of a cheap way to say it, but it's almost like a fanzine comic. You know, it's a fan yes. made comic of an existing IP, isn't that correct? So it's yeah. not officially affiliated with the game or the publisher yeah. or anything. I like mean, that. I'm not going to bat for the company that made this game. Do you know what I mean? Like that's mm. that's not it I at all. Ha- I think they've had comics as well. I, there is, swear, I, I swear think they're it. published by dark horse or someone there's okay. there's comics out now that are by this so but like it kind of frustrates me kickstarter like how did, someone saw this they it's got a projects we love badge so someone's assessed this and thought yeah this is a really good shout and it's like man this this is a bit much you know what i mean and so i did take a look and and the the chap who's running it i'm not going to name the guy but uh he's not backed any projects on Kickstarter, which is fine. So your progress, but this is the first one he's created, and it's gone just above quarter of a million dollars on this. He's raised. I mean, this so many red flags on this is un- unreal. If you sort of back this, I mean, the, the people who do own the IP could swoop swoop in at any moment and say, right, we're having this money, or mm. you've got to pay legal fees. So all the money you paid into it, that's just gone. Uh, yeah. It might not get that far. Uh, the guy could just go. Just not do anything. Just take all the money and and through kick. I know this. We mentioned this before, and Tony, you said this. Like, even though Kickstarter says there's no recourse for this, that's not true at all. Like, no, surely because that, they put it in their terms and conditions, yeah. isn't fucking legally binding to American or British law in the yeah. fucking slightest. Yeah. But essentially, yeah. the Kickstarter just like, well, it's that's what it is. You just kind of wash your hands of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's ever been challenged on a large scale. I mean, right. it's essentially they. The, well, the way Kickstarter do it, it's not down to them; it's down to the person putting it out. Yeah, they're just a platform to sell it on, and I, I can see that. You know, the, it, we all we all are, you know, ultimately responsible for our own actions, and this person, it's down to him. But Bain Devil's Advocate a bit here, guys, and I don't overly agree with what I'm about to say, but I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, totally. Is is this them sticking it to the man? You know, you got a company that is obviously a multi-billionaire, billionaire, you know, company making video games. If this wasn't a Kickstarter and he just did it, it would be uh, would it be okay? I think um, it feels to me less about sticking to the man and more about, <clears throat> I mean, a fan wanting to make a book and putting it out there. Um, I mean, because it just feels to me like it's a sand timer. There's only a matter of time before someone shuts this down. Well, yeah, it's already completed. Think, yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's finished. So, yeah. oh, is the, is the campaign finished now? It finished yesterday. But it doesn't. Oh, okay. But as we all know, with Kickstarters, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get completed. It's especially yeah. with league legalities and IP. If someone hears about it that doesn't want it, that could, you know, and this person could be making this book for they they could have the best intention in the world. They could just be a massive fan, and they probably are a massive fan who is so who's basically this series has just been what they've read you know they've just over the past three years that is the only media the the books the law they just it's a passion project yeah so what will happen you know just thinking about this 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 figure that we're talking about that like we don't know if if they genuinely care about it and then it's taken away from them because someone says no you can't do that 
what will that there's mean? some answers in the frequently asked questions so one of them is oh. is this project licensed by sony or FromSoft? but the simple answer is no this is a fan-made graphic novel think of this kickstarter project like one massive commission to get something made and beyond mm. that it will not be sold every cent gained from this kickstarter will go getting towards this thing getting made and sent out which is the goal is quite high we want to make it as good that's as we can not, that that won't that won't fly that won't fly that's not it's not a commission I don't commission. I, uh, commission Kickstarter. I mean, maybe I'm naive, but Kickstarter isn't a commission a book thing, is it? It's it's, no. it's a product, no. isn't it? Yeah. So because commissions aren't mass marketed either. You know, no, no. I've got to say, commission is no. <clears throat> on the face of it. If someone, if you're drawing Superman for someone and selling it, then technically, don't the company DC gets should get some money back from yeah. That? So he's got another one. No, they uh, don't. That, but. Yeah. There's another one that says, what happens if there's legal trouble after it's funded? If, for whatever reason, Sony or FromSoft shouldn't shut down the project, we will fight our case. In the worst-case scenario, all backers will be fully refunded for the book portion of their pledge. Reward payments will still be taken out if you still still like them, and the project will be cancelled. Yeah, but if they come after the, some of the money you've made, you might find yourself in serious fucking shit there. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? <clears throat> what are you going to do? Refund everyone and then when Sony say, oh, well, we want fucking 200 grand or whatever. Uh, I don't know. If and then... They, f- well, it's finally, not just Sony getting their money back on something. They might sue them for all, a number of reasons. Damages, so the money whatever. They, yeah. It's so easy to circumnavigate all this stuff. You could have said inspired by or homage to or any one of those caveats and not yeah. put it or in your title. Or just make something original. Or, the, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. We, we talk about like brilliant professional artists who make... Um, like small mini comics that are, you know, Daniel Warren Johnson, for instance, he's made mini comics about existing IP. He's made the like short run stuff, <clears throat> you know, they're just little zines, aren't they, really? You know, but, but he doesn't price them. You give no. him some money if you want, yeah, you know, it's like it's, that, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so kind of get out. So um, there's one last thing that, that they put it said, Where will the money go that exceeds the goal? Uh, we'll use whatever is needed to cover the stretch goals stretch goal rewards and to make the books as good as it, it can be everything else is going to chat to a charity that voters back on over discord we'll provide receipts and where every cent is spent after shipping our last order and that's another thing that goes against the terms and services you can't do kickstarter books uh for charity yeah, yeah it's, it's I, I know um yeah there's ways and means i know madeline obviously you know mm, you know yeah there's ways and the, means around it but yeah i don't i don't feel so bad about it that it's making money for charity I'll be honest with you. Since if, I don't if, know, it's when he says, if, "Yeah, if, that, if that's what happens." But the, the the thing about this is, it's turned into a big campaign, hasn't it? That's big numbers. Yeah, that's, that is it's big run numbers. away from him, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah, and the problem with that is, you know, you look on it and you think, "Oh my god, that's amazing! What a success!" That's also almost, you know, that's over a quarter of a million dollars of expectation and things you have to figure out. You know, doing the small campaigns for like you know just, i don't know a couple of grand if i had to do this campaign i'd be shitting myself right now <laughs> yeah. i'd be absolutely shitting yeah. i did like what well, i earned a couple of grand on mine the, the idea of doing a quarter million dollar campaign is like i'd have to quit you'd think you have to quit in your job or hiring a, a company to do this for you because it's not just something you can do on your own surely you'd be packing like you'd need yeah. somewhere to take the yeah. stock in packing it, it it's the but, job and also this is this isn't someone for instance like an axe wielder john is all is all done and it's all put together and stuff um is is this complete is the book completed i don't know 
sure. And also, you work in. Uh, when I sort of briefly looked at it, there's a lot of collaborators, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, and it's... I think, and that makes things ever more complicated. Where yeah. we were just talking about, you, you know, like there's lots of different balls you've got to juggle in the air, and there's different different things with different time scales and. You know, what, what I mean, if... I've come I've come up against this recently where I'm actually quite protective of the way that characters I create are mm. used. Yeah, and um, I, I want to talk about it all in detail. But recently, I've I've had an issue where people people are using characters and comics pages of mine where I wasn't quite happy with it. Mm. And I think, you know, for me, I have to protect that because there's certain ways and certain places that I'm quite happy for my comic to be, and there's places I'm not. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean... think I think. It, I would feel the same whether I'd create a video game or create yeah. a comic, I think. Isn't part of copyright that you have to defend your copyright and sort of like take action against people who are uh, infringing on it? Because if you, you sort yeah. of like let people infringe, infringe on copyright for years and then you're like, well, hold on, I'm going to start cracking down on this now, that can be ruled against you in effect as well. You haven't done it for years and years. So yeah, where are you going to go with that? It's, it's like, it's just, uh, I find it more frustrating on the platform that, there's there's a lot of fucking red flags here under Kickstarter's terms of services, and it seems to be not only gone under their radar, but, but I can th I can think of four or five cases recently where people that we know, people who've been on this show, have done Kickstarters using IP characters. Oh yeah, hmm. I mean, the, the, it's not the first campaign that's done this. It might be a and, I, and, and certainly one I'm thinking of is somebody who previously came on the show and railed against people selling prints of Venom and Spider Man hmm. at conventions. Right, yeah, yeah. So it goes, it goes on a lot. I think the the difference with this is it's a much big, bigger project, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Just bit, yeah, just just for a bit of information, there were three volumes of Bloodborne, <clears throat> uh, published by <clears throat> Titan. It says here. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, written sense. by yeah. Al Alish Cott. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Writer. yeah. He sort of disappeared a bit, isn't he? I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah, and yeah. probably because he might have been working on this because there's three volumes that he seems to have written, and right. the writer is Piotr Kowalski. Okay. Just a shout out to the people that did. Right. So, uh, I know our, none of our listeners would do this kind of stuff, but whoever's running that campaign, don't reach out to them and give them shit or anything. No, yeah, please no, don't. No, yeah, don't. don't do There's that. enough of that on the internet, no, man. Yeah. No, 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 no. yeah. Um, but it's certainly another interesting wrinkle in the ongoing uh, yeah, strange kinda... world of crowdfunding. Hmm. Um, it's just the, the kind of strange, completely uneven handed of the bloody thing that you like. Some people will see like, oh, that flies through no problem at all. And other things, you, you see campaigns going over, they've got funny about something. Like, Why? It's so, it's I, mean, I, th been... I think I think we give these companies too much credit for being sort of even-handed and, you know, a, you know, a big, big company full of lawyers and stuff like that. And they're not. No. You know, yeah. we, got, we got banned off Kickstarter for fucking stupid reasons that made yeah. absolutely no sense. You know, yeah. and look at some of the people who work there. It's, you know, they're part-time latte drinkers, aren't they, as I like to call yeah. them. Yeah. There's a bit of an ideologue kind of uh, thing yeah, going on. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, it does also depend sometimes on the IP, doesn't it? For instance, you know, if just say you want to do something, oh, I want to do a, I'm going to do a, a fan comic about Lord of the Rings and put it on crowdfunder, they'll shut that shit down quick because the, yeah. the Lord of the Rings sort of like legal people, they are on it. Don't fuck about. <laughs> this is Sony. Yeah, yeah. You would have thought. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that one. So we'll Good. look forward well to that. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> another thing, uh, it's not so much a moan, but like, this was kind of like on on the scene beginning part of the week mm. and it, it was like a comic that i think it, it, they sent out a lot to news sites and kind of comic review sites uh and it's called uh artificial ink 
Oh yeah, you read this, didn't you? I yeah. I have to say I scanned through it, mate. But I, I I think I mean, I think I know Simon on the Slack looked at it, didn't he? And he went, I can't yeah. even look at it, and I kind of felt the same way. But you kind of forced yourself to read it. Yeah, I've, I've read yeah. it. If you can call it that, I'm gonna I'm gonna put what I sent to you guys. Yeah, I said, it's, the the kind of magazine seems to want to act like a calling card, as in like, look, this is what can be done with this technology, and the comic like it just confirms every assumption you thought the ai comics would turn out like it does this the most disservice possible to ai generated comic books it's mm. just like non sequitur the comic it's just yeah. random images with like text and just to try and fit what's going on in the panel and it's like from panel to panel there's no correlation it's like what the fuck is this it's like one picture of this one picture of that and it's like generate a background generate man on spaceship and just what the fuck's this and and <laughs> there's like reams of titles like loads and loads of titles so many and it's like you got four panels and then you're introducing a concept for this is one comic this is another comic it's like where are you going to go with this like this is just so amateurish and a lot of the ideas and the stories that they're they're bringing up it's just like man these these sound like fucking uh my my edgelord's first comic do you know what i mean like, yeah sojourn realm soul trader uh elf witch and the eldridge it's just ugh, it's really cruddy i mean i i take or leave ai i'm kind of like trying to stay on the fence and see where it goes i'm not one of these people uh, i think i'd speak for three of us like, i mean Ooh. we'll go back and listen yeah. to our episode on it we've, we've treated it yeah. in an even-handed yeah. way as much as we can haven't we you know but this oh. just comes yeah. across as really shoddy I mean, mm. every aspect of it that's kind of handled with, uh, like the human part of it, which is like the lettering and the layout of the stuff, is absolutely amateurish. There's so poor, like hyphenated words, like text bo- uh, text boxes that are like aligned left, uh, or massive great big white spaces in the text box. That it's like if you just download that crib sheet from Blambot, that'll tell you how to resolve these issues. And it's like reading the one side of A4 and you can see all these glaring errors that you should be able to sidestep. And, and I mean, even the front cover is just terrible. Oh. Yeah, I, yeah. I just feel this is like, this <laughs> This ain't it, Chief. You know what I mean? Yeah. Willie, sp- speaking about this, I was, um, you, I think I told you about it, guys, didn't I? I was um, chatting to a guy I work with, you know, he's a, he's an you know, extremely well-recognized academic. Um, um, and we got talking about it. It turns out he's a massive comic fan. But he's also yes. um he works within AI. And he right. said he and, and he is beyond anyone we'll ever meet in our lives an expert on it, you know. Yeah. And he said there's still the artistry of art, is the phrase he used. People yeah. will still want to see that. And I kind of make him right on that, you know. Because he's agree. a big fan of, you know, Blood and Ellie and mm. Kevin O'Neill and all these all the two thousand the great two thousand eighty artists. And, and he says, No, there's still be space for it. He says it'll never replicate, you know, what comes from a mind to a hand, you know. Yeah, there is this kind of like people saying, oh, this will totally dominate. We won't need real artists every way, if you know what I mean, anymore. Or, and like, oh, this is the end of us as a career choice. It's like, nah, it's not. Not yet, anyway. No, not yet, anyway. Yeah. Good stuff, man. But yeah, so that's yeah. kind of like... Thank you, thank you for of, reading that. Yeah. So, mm. Man, it was a real chore. I thought I'd give it a go, see what it's like. And it's like, oh, man. Like, if you was going to... Johnny Boy Freeman's done something down the tubes on it as well, isn't he? Right. Like, so, if you yeah. was going to put out a calling card to say this is what uh, AI comics are, uh, we can do with them, it's like, mate, you shouldn't have fucking bothered because 
one look at that and people would never want to look at another AR comic ever again. Yeah, it's actually a bad advert for it, isn't it? But a good Terrible. advert for us. Yeah. 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 So there we go. There you go. So um, we get the only the only thing we're in uh, in favour of is sex robots. I've got one of them coming up in my recommends. Oh, oh good. I thought you were going to have one of them delivered. Bloody in my shout-outs. <laughs> one on the table. Uh, speaking of shout-outs. <laughs> well, just a Hoover, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> That's why that mattress is in your room. I can see over your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of shout-outs, what shout-outs do I, you have? I've got there? a series. I've got four. So a big shout-out to Martin Feekins, who was on... Um, he was a call-in guest on BBC Six this week. That was um, fucking great. And he sent us a little audio on the Slack. If you're on the Slack, you can have a listen to it in the yeah. DUI channel. But uh, he gives DUI 3 a shout. Him hey. and Damien's story. How good is that? Yeah. Um, big Another one, another listener. Big congratulations to Steve Newbold, whose um, book CSI I reviewed about a month ago. He's the featured artist on the back of Savage Dragon 265. I got my copy yesterday. And it looks great. How cool That's is that? Brilliant. I was saying it's kind of got, it's slightly reminiscent. We'll bring Kevin O'Neill back into it. Like yeah. his kind of stuff. Do you agree with that? Or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's yeah. got that strangeness about it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah like and I don't mean that as any way to sort of to, to denigrate it. I mean, it in a really good way. Like I really, I think it really works. Yeah. Yeah. I think it looks great. Yeah. It's great. And I love the way that um, Eric Larson features other artists in his comic. I think that's very, great. He promotes them, doesn't he? Yeah. Which yeah. Is really good. It's um, kind of a full and ill with Eric Lawson's kind of Savory's attitudes of of recent years, but like when I was he first started punching out Savage Dragon, his kind of like small press career uh, uh, ideology, yeah, and what and he's still, still doing now. now, yeah, still yeah. I'm still with him 100 percent on that. Still a great comic as well, man. I read it mm. yesterday, so good. Um, part, a big shout out to past guest Jenny Gilblad. Yeah. Um, she's trying to raise seven k. To get um, to have an operation, get I think it's your mind because she's put it on Twitter to get yeah. an ovarian tumor removed in the UK. If you go to her Twitter, you can follow links to her GoFundMe. If you go to Jenny J E double N I E Jenny Gilblad and you spell Gilblad G Y double L B L A D Jenny Gilblad, you'll find it. Go and drop her yeah. a few quid uh, and help her out there. There you go. Yeah. And my yeah. final shout is to Ian Ashcroft, who I met for a, a crafty beer on Thursday, and he uh, updated me on all of his little projects. So he's yeah. Going to, yeah, yeah, he's a good lad. Awesome. Um, I will. I will echo the sentiment about uh, uh, Jen's GoFundMe. Um, yeah, a, pro- a proper hard-working small press creator yeah. as well. So she's moved away from you, so you don't have to water yeah, her yeah. budget anymore, does she? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's since passed on. Bless him. Oh no, she oh, gets another one. She still lives. My heart. One. Still lives my heart. But um, <laughs> yeah, man, but, the hits keep coming on tonight's show. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> But um, no, seriously, no. She's she's brilliant. Normally, when we talk about sex comics, it's like let's get Jen on. This would be <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. She even outraged us. Yeah, 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 yeah. She can out outrage us. Won't we uh, tend yeah. to be asking what is that, and then she'll explain it. We're yeah. like, oh, okay, oh, 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 <laughs> yeah, Lord, yeah, Monkins. Lord. Um, uh, I've, I've just got, got I've just got a quick one before Dan. Go on, go uh, on. Oh yeah, off. Dan's had one then. This is. Uh, this is a Kickstarter for The Berg. This is the new book by uh, Cabal Comics, uh, written by Sarah Peplow, Fraser Campbell, art by Gavin Mitchell, lettering by Colin Bell, and color assist by J.P. Jordan. And uh, it's about an ordinary job for a team of London sanitation workers turned into a life-or-death struggle against an unthinkable horror. And uh, this is the sort of, uh, if you like, your body horror and the blob. Nice. And things like this. Give me one of those fat bugs. You know, they, they have done it, some... Well, well. Could be. Have I hit the nail on the head there? Right, Sorry. Um, Grab that yeah. bit out then. That's what it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ruin that, that one then. Yeah. yeah. I've got two comics. 
Uh, Aerotech 2, Paul's Promise. Oh, I bet. And NS First name. W, Sex Robot Office com- Office Comedy. So, uh, yeah, I bet that. Looking forward to that. That's going to be completed in a couple of days. Look forward to reading that. And uh, Mahoney 6, the series finale. The final issue of the series about the bar of the supervillains and the epic finale of the Last Stand storyline. That's got 17 days to go. Uh, just shy of his target. Go check that out if you like uh, your superhero action. It's a good one. And nice. that's me. Nice one, man. Oh, I thought I thought there was going to be... The way you built that, Dan, the, way, the cadence of your voice was going up and down. I thought, oh, all right, what's he going to hit us no. with next? No, no, sorry. I was just doing nothing. About just, oh, okay. <laughs> floundering. Floundering. Oh, but... <laughs> But in a wonderful way, in a wonderful Damn Butcher way. <laughs> don't, don't start me again, Danny. <laughs> I told two jokes in the break that we'll never, you'll never hear. You'll never hear, but I had trouble breathing. Um, that's all you need to know. Um, but <laughs> talk about a breath of fresh air. You lovely people at home want some recommendations, don't you? So what should we recommend to our lovely listeners this week? Tony, you normally have two. Have you got two? This I have week? two again, my friend. Um, uh, my first one is "Modern Life Is Rubbish." Um, who knew? Eh? Written Truth. by David Metcalf. Is this a book Carr. or just a statement? Just um, a life-affirming statement. Uh, <laughs> art by Chris Askham, who we've, we've met. Well, I think we met at London Super Comic Con that day. Do you remember yeah. that really awful one? We're at? I think he was opposite. Us, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this was an impulse buy on Kickstarter based oh, on. Um, was that? Sorry, that was Comic House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sponsor, great, great as they are. Yeah, <laughs> that, that video I've always captured. I've got two shouts this week. There you go. Yeah. Claim the money. Um, so this was an impulse buy on Kickstarter based on the shameless reuse of an old Blur album title. Um, it's called A Night Out in 1993. Um, it's um, it's kind of Britpop era autobio style comic. Um, if you read about it on the Kickstarter page, it was actually written in 1993 by David and after he'd been out on the hit and miss. Uh, and this is a comic about young people escaping the crap of the day with a good night out is how he describes it um as i understand it it was brought to life only recently by chris Askham. um i think um who does some solid black and white work in it his abominable glory do you remember that comic about the abominable snowman which i think may be the first year of this we we reviewed that was a cracker so i kind of like his stuff man i don't remember that yeah um, the cover of it, if I'm honest about the cover, I think that you've got a front cover and a back cover. The back, they should have switched them. I'll be honest with you. Right, the front okay. cover, it plays on um, sort of dull afternoon in a cafe, which is okay. And it is evocative of part of this story, but the story is more exciting than that. And the back cover is kind of much more of a sort of colourful Britpop thing going on. Uh, if it was me, I'd switch it, but it's not me, so it's down to them. Yeah. Um, the story. So it starts with a guy called Carl. He works in quite a shitty rough pub um, where he has to throw out a customer who threatens him and throws a glass at him and all this sort of thing. He finishes lunchtime shift and goes home to get ready and ingests some um, Jean-Luc Vialli, or it might be Speed, actually, it's hard to tell, before his night out. Um, and he's got a layabout mate called Scam, who um, and they head off to the pub. And then what the book does is, is um, as it tells its story, it collects a group of people and you get a little insight into their lives as it, as it gathers them up and they all end up in the same pub if that makes sense mm. um it's just a nice there's not much more to it than that really it's, it uses it litters in period specific references um so there's like somebody's got a pulp t-shirt on or someone mentions that stars in their eyes is coming on telly um and it's certainly i think what were you guys doing in 93 were you were you in the pub or were you too young for it i can't remember now i was probably too young for it weren't you yeah, uh, probably in the pub. yeah if i was in the pub 
that's probably indicative of bigger issues. <laughs> it's, it's certainly a period um, that's evocative to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a lot more to it than you see on these sort of recreations on television. You know, okay to me, throw in these references to, you know, um, Oasis posters in back, whatever it's going to yeah. be, in spiral carpets or something, you know. Um, but this, he does this with it. So there's like a burned out car in the street. There's a, they walk past a secondhand bookshop, which were much more common in those days, those balmy days before the, in, you know, the internet. Mm. Um, and it's back in the days when people would go to pubs, you know, they wouldn't sit looking at their social media. They would actually, that's the way, you know, people seem to think they got lots of friends because they got so many followers on Twitter. These days. No, you go to the pub back then and you would chat to people um, and indie music filled the air and people talked about the music. They talked to their mates. They talked about the drugs. They talked to their girls, the girls in the pub. They made jokes um and do you know what it's just life really written in a comic book you know and we used to see this more we used to see these comics about people going down the pub and seeing bands and you know getting in fights in the kebab shop and stuff like that and it really took me back to those days of bands that I, I ended up playing a little you know making a little playlist of bands like carter usm kingmaker shed seven gorky's zygotic minky you know all this sort of thing and they after the pub they go and chat to the bloke in the kebab shop and you that's the sort of shit you used to do back then um and laughed at each other and took the piss out of each other and uh, i'm I'm gonna finish this in a second and say kids don't know they're made these days because you know because <laughs> uh, i'm an old bastard but if you go i got mine on kickstarter i'm not sure if you can get it actually any through any sides of the moment if you follow you go to david at at metcalf car on twitter or you can find chris at chris Askham. you can probably somehow convince him to send you a copy but it's uh it's just a nice little thing that reminded me of you know the days when i'd like fucking was you know getting in tear-ups nil kent road and stuff like that it was just that those days you know yeah. before everyone thinks i'm going to stay in tonight and stream such and such shouting at youtube or something you know it was good <laughs> stuff yeah and that's my first one it's called modern life is rubbish nice. that reminds me of that that tweet i sent earlier about like uh what you could do online nowadays obviously i can't find it uh, <laughs> I've got a filibuster while I, I search up this. Uh, well, I'll, I'll jump on with my. I'll jump on with. Got it. Got it. Oh, he's, okay. I'll see. There's he's a tweet. Off me, Sorry, there's a guy called Parvel, and he got a screenshot of the tweet. It says, "Back in the 1960s, you could join the Belgian paramilitaries in the Congo and shoot at UN forces and get paid for it. Now you can't even call someone gay online." Yeah. Jesus. Times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the Congo for us all. <laughs> Get paid to shoot at you in forces. <laughs> Dan, what would you like to recommend? Do oh, you want to do yours? You do yours. Oh no, no, you're on a roll. You mm, go. Okay. You go. This is the comic I got off of. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh... he just laughed at himself then he He just did (laughs) it's a a book off of a comic house called chrome sky i'm gonna have to pass the baton (laughs) (laughs) Ah, damn broke after everything he was doing at the beginning (coughs) right (laughs) come on dad won't put you off It's written, written and illustrated by a guy called It's going to be like a really serious Steve, book yeah, about yeah. Kluskin, killing yeah. old people or something. And he's like fucking <laughs> yeah. laughing. It's still Bring laughing about Envision maps. Comics. Right. <laughs> 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 I'm doing my motley laugh. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. 
uh, episode one, the three <laughs> worse. Yeah. On a on a desolate planet of vast metallic desert, an outlaw b- bounty hunter is attacked by a sudden string of conscience. Oh, she she uh, yeah, conscience. She had a gang. <laughs> I've seen the line coming up. After she had a gang wounded cripple. No, oh, no. A oh. young boy during their latest robbery. Oh, oh no! Oh no! With tunes by a treacherous accomplices, the bounty hunter launches a quest to vengeance. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a first. What's happening, Dad? Are you uh, right? Okay. Do you want to try that again, Dad? Uh, yeah, no. yeah, get it. Pull that mattress down. Go have on, a little. Right. Right. Uh, right. Uh, let's try that again. Okay. What's left it about? Left dead Dan? in the gunmetal dunes by a treacherous accomplices. Uh the bounty hunter launches a quest of vengeance and justice and redemption. <laughs> <laughs> a mythic cyberpunk western views a dynamic comic book storytelling and illustrated prose in Vision Comics presents Chrome Sky. Yeah, that sounds good, though, Dan. <laughs> yes, good one. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't you leave out a bit of the synopsis, though? No, no, no. It's all, all in there. <laughs> so go to the Asshole Comic House. It's a good, nice, little nice work. Yep. <clears throat> and they say the comics journal doesn't go deep into things anymore. Dan, look, just oh man, have a breath, <laughs> have a breath, take a drink of water, and put yourself on mute for the next. Yeah, I'd have gone <laughs> mute. Yeah. Go have another muff. Yeah. Oh dear. Anyway, my recommendation is a book that is out in June this year oh. oh i've started reading this but i didn't yeah i'm yeah got far into it coming out from uh dark horse comics in june this is from our old pal jason mcnamara past guest and a uh, friend of the show and uh his new book with hang on i've just i've got the thing in front of me uh alberto masagia i hope i got that right that's going to be brilliant. That's, That's going to be brilliant. He there. did the incompensable work for the for the graphic novel and colorist Paul Little, and it's got cover art by Alberto and Sonia Harris. Um, yes, this is a neo noir thriller, uh, a chilling futuristic tale. I love it when there's a, a nice press release that sort of <laughs> does my work for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, although I read this after I read the book because I was just so eager to read the book first. I just. Yeah, just read that. This is a chilling futuristic tale exploring our ever-evolving technological world and the struggles of maintaining personal privacy. Um, Ashley is a tour guide at Past Tense, a company that sends camera drones into the past to view history's most depraved events. When Ashley discovers Silas Green, an unknown serial killer working in the past, she begins hosting exclusive tours of his murders. The only problem? Silas is still alive and in the present. And when he learns of his newfound infamy, he is inspired to come out of retirement to make Ashley his final victim now and forever. This is the book Past Tense, and I devoured it in one go and absolutely loved it. This is a, um, like I say, it is a proper neo noir thriller. It has uh, Jason's wonderful, I mean, anyone who's read uh, Jason's work, I mean, and certainly like The Rattler, that was that went to dark places, if you remember. Tony yeah. when we when we had Jason on the show. This it's is a good pro- guess, wasn't he? Yeah. Top guess. And uh yeah, this was a very much stepping back into that that dark crime sort of book, but with a little bit of a sci fi edge to it. A very poignant sort of uh you know like all great sci fi like sort of asks a poignant question, doesn't it? You know, like it like your soylent green or you know, things like that. All of these things that go on where you got like this the science fiction sort of setup. 
Yeah. But you could quite easily just hold a mirror up to kind of the point of a lot of that sci-fi yeah it's great man and and this this follows that um immediately the book starts starts off with a sex scene between uh we like that already uh a president and one uh oh yeah i saw this one famous film star we'll we'll just sort of say that and immediately sort of i mean it's a shocking opening that sort of set it already sets you up for the sort of style of the book and where it is and the main character has a brilliant it rides the character rides this wonderful line of they're not whiter than white like a good person do you know what I mean it's sort of like but at the same time they're not someone that you actively hate the problem with writing some main characters is you want them to be sort of adversarial sometimes if you want them if you want them to be I think people over egg the pudding when it comes to making them dislikable and uh, it's, I've read certain books where you just like, oh, I just don't like this main character. I've watched films where I'm like, I just don't like the main character. <laughs> they're they're yeah. awful. Um, this one does a brilliant line of like getting the attitude right. And as the story goes on, and uh, it properly turns into like a like a horror thriller, like a real tense horror thriller. You're rooting for them, you're supporting them, and as things get worse and worse, you do think, well, how are they going to get out of this? Which is impressive, you know. It's, it's an impressive feat to do. In a in a sort of graphic novel in a comic book medium, there's also a wry wit running through it, but like I say, it's it asks those questions of like like there's these cameras that can basically go like through time, and it's it's if people want to watch things from the past, then they can. Like um, she's the the initial setup in one of the panels here I've been working at past tense for almost two years it's not a bad gig if you know how to work the angles for six minutes at a time and for an exorbitant fee we send camera drones back through time to let you witness historic events as they truly occurred now just think about that as a concept gents and I'll ask you and I'm looking forward to this I'll ask you what event you would (laughs) you would watch um, as, she, as the narration goes on, I hit all the obvious tourist spots: The Last Supper, Jimmy Hoffa, and DB Cooper. But the real hustle is in finding exclusives—that unique event hidden in history that no one even knew existed. The more salacious, the better. And certainly, you see people when it comes to like crime and stuff, and being—it it puts you in a position of you're there as a crime happens, but people are paying a lot of money. It's a voyeurism. That is when you see some of these people. There's there's one scene where she's making a lot of money, and she's doing one bit. It's a brilliant page because she is essentially having one bit of dialogue. It's split into several several panels. She's she's saying the same things, but she's talking to like five different people, like five different groups of people. So you can see that she's basically pitching it to lots of different people, and everyone's got a oh this would be wonderful as our wedding gift. But this is like a, a video of someone being murdered. Do you know what I mean? Or someone going, oh yeah, you know, can I watch this? Can I watch it? And, and it's, it does make you realise, <laughs> it, it doesn't make you think well of humanity in a lot no. of ways. But the other side of that, there is an undercurrent of, you know, there is a personal tragedy behind the main character that runs throughout the book. And there is a familial uh, subplot that runs through that comes to the fore towards the end. Um, but every serial killer story is only as good as its serial killer. And uh, for me, uh, Silas, when he is revealed, and he isn't revealed straight away, but when he is revealed, it's brilliantly done how that happens. Um, And it's almost not supposed to happen 
it's it's one of those sort of they're watching something and it, it goes on too too long when they should have stopped the video and then they realize and then they realize they're in deep shit um as soon as that figure is revealed the tension just cranks up amazingly now like when we've talked to um what was the book before nocturnal what was the the monster book oh my mind is blanking a nocturnal something yeah uh, <clears throat> yeah commissions commissions that's it that's it sorry jason yeah. uh, love that but, book yeah love yeah. that book and obviously that had that had the wit that had wit charm and there was a levity to it um it keeps that wit but then like in a real darkness and th- this is a, a pretty brutal book in its own way it goes to some dark places was this originally released in issues it feels like it is. Because, it looks like it has been, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 because it's done in chapters. Must have missed this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's coming out um, in June uh, June of this year, June 2023. So if you right. missed in the past, you can get hold of it. It makes for a, an amazing like one-and-done one read. And it is a one-and-done story. But, you know, there is blood, there is violence. There is There are moments of... Um, true you know when the bad guys get away with things and it's quite hard to see sometimes um yeah it it doesn't shy away from certain bits but but only it's only to benefit the story um i was hooked from because i just thought you know i didn't really know too much about it and i just got into it i thought that's a cool that's a cool concept it felt like yeah it felt like a cool like you know Mm. these days it'd be like a cool film that you just picked up and just thought oh that's a really good science fiction concept it'd just appear on shudder or something like that and i'll watch it and go actually this is really yeah this is really nice little find yeah Yeah. nice little find um because the concept's just high enough to be you know it's obviously completely fantastical because you've got the time traveling angle but it's never like we're not living in a world that is completely futuristic and unrealistic yes it is the future and there's that time travel bit but the world itself still feels very real which makes it a, a huge yeah. interesting concept anyway yeah. yeah um yeah so i breezed through it um thoroughly enjoyed it it builds up and there is a satisfying payoff at the end <clears throat> um and there's some back matter in the book it's going to be a, a great trade I'm, I'm definitely gonna get it on the trade um because it is it is a real there's a moment the last panel of the book was a real that's cool no i i like that 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 sort of moment because the book also speaks to it's not just the voyeurism of the people within the this world it speaks to voyeurism of readers there's a there's a there's a real sting in the tale at the end where it almost speaks to the reader and i was like that's a nice touch because you think about, you know, you have all these ideas of like, oh yeah, they're quite voyeuristic, but we're also reading stuff about this stuff. I've not read this yet. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, to yeah, it's, it's really, yeah. It's, it's really, it's really good, really well done. Um, always, you know, I'm a big fan of Jason's work. This is definitely, I think he lettered it as well. The only minor thing I would have about the book hmm. is because some of the lettering bubbles, and this happens more. Um, you know, when you, there's a lettering bubble and you have to cut half of it off to fit in like the bottom of a panel does that make sense you know it's, yeah. it's, it's not good yeah. yeah and some of them aren't quite laid out flush with a with a couple of panels i'm okay. Okay. i'm purely noticing that because i've let <clears throat> comics and you've got a design comic i don't think hardly anyone's gonna notice this but there were there was something that's like oh 
just noticed it. It didn't take. It's just away. one of those things. Once just you see, you might not see it, but once you see it, it annoys you. Yeah, kind of where I see Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, that is that is that is a nothing gripe really because the, I, yeah, just get this book. It was one that already jumped up to one of my most pleasant experiences reading comics oh. this year. So there you go, right, right up my alley. So past tense. That is P A S T. So past tense. <clears throat> Uh, yes. Out from Dark Horse in June. Look for it. Okay, Tony. You know, I just apologise for me laughing and coughing through that last bit. I mean, that brings a level of uh, disrespect and unprofessionalism to this podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think our listeners are used to it. I think to. people enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so apologies once again. Tony, take us home. Uh, mine is uh, my final one, Swimming in Darkness by Lucas Harari. It's a hard, massively <laughs> oversized hardback. Um, Red Cloth Spine, you know, like um, the Hilda books, for example, get that. I love yeah. the way that they, this is a lovely looking book. I have zero memory of buying this book. Um, <laughs> and I think I bought it during lockdown and I found it whilst working through my read poll, which everyone would be pleased to know is, is, is definitely decreasing. I'm doing all right on it. <clears throat> um, it's been, I read it, I've read it twice now. Uh, I first read it on Thursday. Um, and then I read it again yesterday. And it's one of those books that's played on my mind a little bit. It's somehow it stayed with me, and I mean that in a quite a good way. There's a there's a quiet strangeness to it, something um, that is both a pleasant thing to read, but also has a certain uneasy feeling to it. Uh, it's it, it's it's almost like a, a hard book to quantify. Um, it's it takes you on a road trip of discovery, but it hints at things later on which i'm not going to spoil because there's a there's a de- definitive right turn in what happens in this book at one point um so i'm going to be i've got to be careful about how i talk about it the story okay. so let's talk about the first part of it really yeah gives up on his studies in architecture uh, and um and on, uh, on his dissertation and he's got interest in this sort of theoretical and esoteric area uh and uh, of architecture as a discipline and he's kind of reached a point during his studies where he, he, he's lost an essay, lost his dissertation, and he can't go on. So he gives up university and he's working in this bar. And he's visited by his old professor who says, look, there's no one in the bar. Let's sit down and talk. And he explains to him what has happened to him. And he says, but after this conversation, he says, I, I, but I am going to go to a place called Vows, which is a themed springs, um, like a hot springs, thermal springs hotel and spa in the Swiss Alps. And um, even from that point, you begin to sense it's, there's this strange, <clears throat> almost sort of um, pseudo-religious spiritual um, pilgrimage that he has to, he's, in him, he's, he feels pushed into taking. Um, and he goes there, and the world of Vaz is in itself is a very strange, almost like cut-off town stroke village that is very insular and all seems to surround this um, massive hotel and spa area. And um, he's got a sketchbook on him and he goes into the spa. He stays at the hotel, goes into the spa and starts drawing what's going on. And that uh, you're aware of the sort of this. It's, it's quite cool at the moment. Brutalism. You know, there's like there's even like um, Instagram pages for, you know, Soviet brutalist bus stops and stuff like that. You know, this real sort of brutal okay. formation of, you know, just practical buildings. Um and he goes into and he starts drawing this thing and he's obsessed. You know, he's he's, he's going into the pool. He's trying to stay after they close so he can sit there and draw it. And and, and he, he finds a secret room at the back of it. And this leads him into going into the town 
and you begin to think, what the fuck? Because he's not a normal kid. He's quite depressed, almost. He's driven, desperate, um, obsessed in this town. And it's it's a really interesting experiment. The art is... There's an element of it, me, that when I first read it, I thought there's an element of clean line in, in relation to this. And there's... It's, it's kind of... If you looked at the, the space somewhere between Seth and Charles Burns, he sits in that, you know, that area somewhere. Mm. Um, the book certainly is like some of those recent Charles Burns books, X Down, stuff like that. There's the, in the presentation, but there's the brutalism of this structure is in itself a personality. There's almost, there's a utilitarian aesthetic to what is going on. There's a, there's a functionality that's going on in this, this story that not only exists within the shape and the confines of this building, but into the way that he is driven to practically do stuff and discover stuff and lead his way through it. Um, and there's something more to the pool. There's something more to the secret room. There's something more to the mountains. There's something more to the people. Um, and there's, the, there's all these sort of consequent consequences of um, the mystery that take over his life. And, um, it's, it's a weird one because he's not none of the faces in this book are particularly detailed if you know someone like seth you know he's a character you know a cartoonist rather than you know mm. he doesn't just draw you know people exactly but there's a there's a real personality personality to pierre in this um but he's also one of these characters who falls his way through life he he, he he's a, what's he call it a bit of a shit magnet in a way he just <laughs> okay. he's always seemingly yeah. to get thinking he meets this girl he, he she says why don't you come meet my friends he gets in a fight with one of the friends then he ends up shagging her then he ends up getting lost you know there's all this sort of thing so he's sort of falling his way through the life of this this story but it, i find it um really transfixing to read um it, it, there's so much at play and i got so much out of a second read which is very rare for me these days mm. um it's from Lucas Harari. I think this is, apart from a lot of fanzines he's done, which I think feature architecture and a lot of art and stuff, it's kind of his first comic. He was born in 1990 in Paris. Um, it's published by... Um, who's published it? It's not a publisher. I was... Uh, Arsenal Pulp Press. So if you go to arsenalpulp.com, you can find it. That's the English language version of it. And I think, was it someone like Dargaard? I can't remember... I can't remember who published it in France, but it's obviously a, a Franco-Belgian production originally and then translated for us. But you can find Lucas at, in, on Instagram at Lucas, L-U-C-A-S, Lucas dot Harari, H-A-R-A-R-I. Yeah, lovely, lovely little find I found in a pile of books I bought during lockdown. You know, I went a bit mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bought back yeah. In, uh, and picked this book out. Like, well, <clears throat> I've no memory of this arriving. I've no memory of me pressing buy on it. I couldn't even tell you what site I got it from. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's weird, which kind of plays a bit into the sort of meaning of the book, really, I suppose. But uh, yeah, Swimming in Darkness, Lucas Harari. That's my second one. There you go. Nice. Nice one. Yeah. What, what a fantastic group of books for you to all to check out. Add to your wish lists. Um, go and pick up now. And as well as uh, this week's guest, Nick Patara, um, just add them all to your wish lists because that's what we do. We make you hate us for spending all your money. Yeah, yeah. Go, 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 buy loads. Um, if there's anything this week that you want us to talk about more, or perhaps you want a shout out on the show, or perhaps you're doing something for a charity or whatever involving comics, we would love to talk about it. So there's several different ways you can get in touch with us. You can email us awesomecomics.com 
pod at gmail.com follow us on social media at the awesome pod where we'll be talking about upcoming shows just getting the word out about all this madness we talk about on a weekly basis and more uh well there's a facebook group so search for awesome comics podcast on there there's also the slack channel a great community of people on there um loads of different groups and channels just all dedicated with there's and if you want to join i've literally just put the link on there on the twitter yeah so you can get through there Yes, so um, the only thing we ask is that you just be a nice person. That's just yeah, yeah. yeah. only nice, positive people. Because That's what it is. If you understand for the world, you'll kind of see the vibe on there. It's really chilled out and yeah. friendly, and yeah. As yeah. our old pal Jesse Custer once said, "You just got to be one of the good guys because there's far too many of the bad." That's how we yeah. feel about it. And I see that um, Gaz has just put a load of books on the pound shop, which I'm going to have a look at. Let's go. There you go. Let's do it. Um, yeah. And thank you for listening to us, whether it's on the website, awesomecomics.podbean.com. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, leave a review, helps get the word out about the show. It really does help get the word out about the show and adds to the algorithm. And You can even just go in, I think you can just go in and press well, how many stars you want. We'd prefer yeah. five, but do what you want. But the, yeah. the, you can press that, and I think that helps, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you don't even have yeah. to write anything. You can just yeah. rate you don't have to write anything. Yeah, but it, but it really does. Uh, we we truly appreciate all the support. We do. Um, yeah, and we uh, we love you very much, even though Tony doesn't say it. We're also on other networks like Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Podnose, Podknife. What are the networks we on, Tony? We're on the Pod Network. Pod. He used that cucumber in a salad. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Which uh, before we sign off, I didn't ask this question. Oh yeah, G- gents. Yeah. If you were going to go back in time to see any event, you weren't going to be there for it. But if you wanted to witness, <clears> like a like just to watch it, just to watch it as it happened, what event would that be, Dan? Oh man, I'm going to go for the classic, the old Easter Sunday. <laughs> your boy, <laughs> your boy, your boy Jay coming out. Okay, as I go. Okay, that would be interesting, uh, Tony. Uh, yeah, well, have you ever heard of the movie Caligula? Yes. Right, okay, so we hope you enjoyed this week's uh, show, everyone. Uh, where can people find us online, etc.? Tony? Uh, Neveronanything.com. Uh, Never on anything this week, we'll have Mr. Curry on, along with the Don. Oh, awesome. that's, what, anyway. great. Looking forward to that. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, Dan? You can find me on Twitter at Vanguard Comic, and you can read Vanguard at VanguardComic.com. Nice. There was a real rhythm to that that I really liked. It's like, are you schizophrenic? Are there like two of you? I think I was out in the sun too. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I've, I've really caught the sun. Yeah. I look as pink as a lobster right now. Did, 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 you, tan- did you burn one of them again? <laughs> yeah, only because I only had one of them out. You can uh, find me. Hot one on, out. Pink three at the side. You can find me online. At, Got the netting Jester, out. at Jester Diablo thank you very much for listening everyone as we said we do mean it we, we truly appreciate it to all our old listeners old and new we love you all and we hope you in, you no matter what we say this is just our opinions and nonsense but whatever you're reading we hope you're really enjoying it and whatever you're making we hope you're really enjoying it because that's what that's what comics is all about and that's why they'll they'll stay around because people love the medium so, God, that got a bit deep, didn't it? I yeah. Really, yeah. I really did I'm catch bit, the sun, I got a bit engorged. I? Yeah. So, uh, 
while we uh, spend the next 30 minutes dealing with that problem, have a brilliant week, everyone. Read loads of comics. Not a make, problem, really. Make loads of comics. Well, you'll be passing out in a couple of seconds. It's a challenge. <laughs> you know how Dan loves a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, what should everyone do, guys? Stay awesome. Stay awesome. See you next week, everyone. Bye.